Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. This week, we hail to the king, the master of the macabre, the most adapted author of all time. Red rum, Normies, we're talking Richard Bachman. Sorry, no, scratch that. We're talking Stephen King. Here's Johnny. Beep, beep, Richie. I'm my number one fan. Do not take you. We made you! Meteor ship. Come and play with us, Daddy. I want it to be over and done with. Sometimes that is better. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. Uh... Not happy to be here. Again, we're in the Halloween month. We're talking horror. And today we're talking Stephen King. How you doing, guys? It's me, Colin. It's me, Mike. I'm doing all right. Joe, doing we great. We got a special guest here. We got Jeremy. How's it going, guys? Hey, happy to have you here, buddy. Our resident Stephen King expert, we'll say. Uh, well, we'll see. Big fan. How's that sound? <laughs> but who isn't a fan? I mean, guys, Stephen King, the normie king of horror, as we titled the episode. But it's true, right? I mean, he is the horror king. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are Stephen King fans, even if they don't realize it, because he's had his hand in guaranteed at least one of your favorite horror movies. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You just, he's permeated pop culture. Like, he's the most adapted author of all time. We mentioned in the intro, and it's true. Like, there's something that's probably related to him that you don't even know about, so. Yeah, is it irony with that last name? Was he always destined to be the king of horror? The king of kings? <laughs> he made it work, man. It's like the modern day, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, exactly. Certainly. And definitely influenced by that. Growing up, uh, he tells these stories about the first time he was ever in his attic and he found his father's old copies of his H.P. Lovecraft novels, uh, Mary Shelley, Edgar Allan Poe, all the old great Gothic masters uh, carry over in a great tradition in his works. Uh, and what I like about him, and we'll go into sort of just uh, our general likes here. Uh, about Stephen King, but what I like about him is his ability to tap into realistic people. He writes children really well. He writes people really well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, his characters are feel really grounded. He does kind of fall into those Stephen King tropes. You know, there's always a bully and this and that, but, you know, I do enjoy his stories with kids. I don't want to go too far ahead, but, like, Stand By Me and It are two big examples of using kids really well, so... I mean, I think what he does best is take horror stories, which typically don't have the best character development, and and makes them character driven. Mm. So the ability to like take something spooky and scary, but wrap it inside a character drama is uh, definitely one of his masterpieces. And you know, Colin, you've said a handful of times you want to create a genre. We're thirty seconds in here, and we already talked about Stephen King tropes. Like they're yeah. out oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. We'll talk about it a little more. Uh, definitely some ones that I hate are Stephen King tropes, like the 50s influence. He's a guy who grew up at that time where that culture, diner influence, greaser culture. Uh, he's very obsessed with people calling people like shit brains <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> right. dumb stuff like that. Uh, and it's fine. You know, it just, it's fine. Well, there's definitely that. And like, you know, he writes a lot of writers. He writes a lot in Maine, but they say write what you know. So he come up in the 50s. He's going to reference that naturally, and at least he does a good job of it. Salem's Lot, his second novel, features his first protagonist of a uh, author. And I, I love that, but from there on, it's like, it just drives me crazy. I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike, because it's, it's such right. a stupid trope that he does. Like, literally every character. And there's that great Family Guy episode. A writer gets attacked by, like, a lamp. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the joke, Stephen King. Well, it's the type of thing that no one outside of Stephen King can get away with anymore. 
Like if you were going to write a book about an author, everyone's going to groan and, and moan right away. But Stephen King, he can do whatever he wants now, baby. Yeah, well, before we get too deep into Stephen King, I want to say thank you to all the normies who've been listening lately. And as of recording, we are actually number one on film and TV category on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. Doesn't make any sense. Thank you, normies. Yeah, we're, <laughs> our minds are blown. Keep spreading the word. Thank you for the yeah. ratings and reviews. And we hope you're excited to keep talking Stephen King. So remember to hit us on the socials, and we're going to you know keep rolling here. Yeah. How about a whatcha first, guys? Uh, Jeremy? As our guest, I'll, I'll cue you in, or maybe to some of our new readers, what I call our listeners, as I fucked up I say time. viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says viewers. Um, uh, this is a segment where we just talk about what you, what you watching, what you playing, what you're reading uh, in the world of comic books, video games, movies, TVs, whatever you want to talk about. Before we got here, you were talking about you just saw Mandy. Perfect yeah. horror. I mean, tell oh. us all about that, please. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm <laughs> Something sure, I don't know yeah. anything about, even watching the trailers, by the way, plot-wise. Know nothing about it, other than Nicolas Cage kills people with a chainsaw. That's all I need to know. No. Yeah, I mean, even like, yeah, if you watch the trailers, it's not what you expect when you see the movie. Uh, it is, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's kind of this, like, ethereal, like... There were more monologues than anything in that movie. Oh my god! But they are—they are the most surreal monologues that you've ever seen in a film before. I just think of the red saturation, like totally blown out red filters. Yeah, the color looked crazy. Yeah, it is probably one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Yeah. And actually, wow. that director Panos—I uh, can't remember his last name—but he he has a film uh, behind the rainbow, behind uh, the black rainbow, behind I believe. the black rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which now I'm very interested to see because. It's very clear where his inspirations are coming from in the the canon of horror films. He's a Italian Canadian director, yeah. So there's definitely some obvious Italian references. Sure, uh, and work. the Canadian with the logging sort of right. He's like a logger. Yeah. Well, if you've seen interviews with him uh, lately, he looks like a lumberjack now. Uh, <laughs> he's full full on lumberjack. He's wearing the trucker hat and he's got this full beard and plaid shirt. Oh God! Uh, yeah. Got to lean into the gimmick. I, yeah, I appreciate. Why not? It. Right. Yeah. That's your new your new persona. Hey, so you recommend yeah. it though? Check it out. See it in theaters. I, I, absolutely, uh, you have to see this one in theaters. I actually, I believe it's on Amazon right now. Uh, like, if you don't no have a theater near, fucking nearby. way. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I'm watching that for Halloween tonight. You Damn, need to see that crazy. on the biggest screen that you can find. Oh shit! Okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. How about you guys, uh, Mike, Joe? Whatcha, whatcha? Um, you know, I haven't been playing too much. Been doing a lot of uh, the podcast work and stuff like that, but. Uh, I'm trying to get back into Spider-Man and I just, we're watching some of the classics at home. This is not a horror movie, but we watched Ferris Bueller last week, had a good time. Other than that, been uh, just more ingesting, uh, more podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, Ben Stein is one of the original horror monsters like, uh, Freddy. So no, that's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Joe? Um, I just got back from Vegas. Uh, so I talked a little bit about a couple weeks ago how I was going to be going and we went to the, um, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Oh, very relevant. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, that's Ghost Adventures. Yeah, it's it's the guy from Ghost Adventures who bought the first mansion built in Vegas that is supposed to be haunted already, and then he brought all of his spooky shit and filled the mansion in it. Um, it was the craziest experience I've ever gone through. I was expecting to, like, like any museum, you know, walk in, go through a couple rooms, guide yourself, that type of thing. Yeah. No, man, it was like... Uh, you know, Hollywood Horror Nights experience where like you wait, waited in line for 45 minutes, went through. There are parts where you're walking through a fun house and like clowns jump out Ooh, and don't scare tell me you. Anybody's touching you, though. Uh, no one's touching you, Ooh. but there was like a freak show with a, a you know, a real I'm doing quotes here freak like standing <laughs> 
right in front of you who like nailed a block through his nose into oh. his head and like hung water from his eyeballs. Like it was really fucking crazy. I'd never seen anything like that. Um, so that was quite the, the Halloween experience. They let you take any photos or no, no photos oh, inside wow. at all. And he was there, the, the Zach Baggins guy. Um, and he interacted wow. with the tour group right in front of us. So we didn't get to interact with him, but I did meet his mom cause she runs like the gift shop. Oh really? Yeah. That's funny. Wow. And it was scary. I mean, some genuine scares in there there. Yeah. I mean, it was spooky. Like I wouldn't say scares necessarily, unless you don't do well in like haunted houses. Cause if you don't do well in haunted houses, there are, I think like three like scare zones, but I guess I would say some items. I mean, some haunted. I'll talk uh, yeah, a little bit about the Dybbuk box. Um, mm. The Dybbuk box was a box built by like an old gypsy woman or a rabbi or something like that to house a demon that had been terrorizing people. Mm. Uh, they made a movie about it with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think it's called yeah. like the possession or something like yes, that. I believe so. And they had the box on set and the cast was like, we got to get rid of this box. <laughs> like we don't like this box being here. Yeah. We haven't had enough strange deaths on Hollywood sound stages. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, so now that is in the museum and um, our tour guide like wouldn't go in the room with it. She was like, you know, I'll tell you, like, I've been scratched nine times. I've been burned. I'm just not going been in there. Scratched is that, is that a bit? Or is that, is that I, I would assume it's a bit. But also at the same time, this woman was like very frazzled. I felt really bad for her. She did not want to go in like oh, three man. or four of the rooms. She was like, I don't go in there anymore. I don't go in there anymore. And it's like, lady, I think you need to find a new job. Like, yeah. I would just like not be comfortable going to a place where I couldn't go into rooms. That, um, yeah. But they told a story about how after telling us like how serious, serious it was and not to look at it and like stuff like that. He was like, so one night Zach and Post Malone were in here <laughs> oh, no. hanging out. And then she said, as it happened, messing around with the Dybbuk box. And it's like, oh, that thing you just told us like super powerful and not to look at. They were just messing around with it. Well, Zach's always calling out ghosts and trying to MMA fight him. So I'm yeah, sure he could true. handle yeah, whatever. Zach, let's smack <laughs> this like, Dybbuk box. He's a professional. Tap. Right. You're, you're not a professional. Um, Zach but it was it was really cool i'd never had an experience like that uh so that was definitely the best like halloween thing i've done so far this month uh and then i've been reading a book called spider-man and philosophy which is just uh okay so it the the dedication page was to you (laughs) well my my sister bought it for me uh, because we we went to vegas with my family so we we met them all there cassie my brother and i drove down um and she was like, oh, I got this book. I think you might like it. It's just Spider-Man and philosophy. So I started tearing through it. It's a collection of essays written by different philosophers and uh, college professors and stuff like that, that each one just examines a different question. Like, you know, like, does Peter Parker have a good life? Like, let's look at what Nietzsche thought a good life was. Let's look at, like, all Could these different Spider-Man philosophers. Could Spider-Man solve the trolley problem is the big question? <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm, I'm sure we will. Like, there was stuff like, you know, like, the difference between right and wrong and good and evil and, you know, how that works with Spider-Man unmasking in Civil War. So, like, there's a lot of, like, deep cuts to the comics, too, that I really like. Like, there's one that was all about, like, Back in Black, which is one of my favorite runs. So, definitely enjoying that. Well, if you listen to the Spider-Man episode, you might have an interest in that. So, once again, what's the book called, Joe? Uh, Spider-Man and Philosophy. And it's just a collection of essays and stuff. Interestingly enough, published in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is, like, hop skipping away from where i'm from so and that's Very also cool. not too far from maine where stephen king wrote up and he also wrote a couple Ooh. books that we should be talking about here too right <laughs> yeah but first what a, uh, what a great segue but first you guys know why there's no photos in that zach baggins mansion right why uh spirit photography you know i bet there's uh, ghosts true, yeah. and shit there right? was a, they show up in the background that's true there was a really cool part where they had 
a spirit box with one of the, the haunted dolls. And they encouraged everyone to just ask questions and stuff. A haunted doll. This is Annabelle. <laughs> it was not Annabelle, but oh, like it basically God. might as well have been, you know. And at one point someone said, that, you know, how many people didn't come in the room? And it said three, the spirit box. Uh, and that was the only like no thing it way. said. But the, the interesting thing is my sister, her boyfriend and the toy guard and the tour guide were the three that didn't come in the room. Wow. So it was kind of weird. If they wanted to make extra money, they could rent out spirit boxes as your audio tour. Oh, I would have done that right? 100%. Like you can take it with you. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of disappointed that they didn't give us one of those and then really excited when I saw it in the But they had room. one. I think it feels like that Black Mirror, the last episode of season two, the Black Museum. It's all these <laughs> uh, weird artifacts. You said you mentioned to me off air that they had the um, Kevorkian van. Yeah, where oh Kevorkian God. drove around and killed people. Crazy. Um, or assisted their suicides. And they had like original paintings from uh, John Wayne Gacy and Charles Manson oh, wow. and all this kind of like Why weird even shit. Why that? It was like a mix of like just general macabre kind of stuff movie props you know like fake stuff and then like legit cursed and haunted objects and kind of like ed and lorraine warren the characters from the conjuring universe you know those supposedly actual exorcists who collected deviant scary items right annabelle herself yeah Ugh. you walk through like a, a hallway at one point that's just like the hallway of cursed objects and you know it's like maybe you shouldn't keep all those <laughs> right next to each other yeah. on top of each but, other but you know they'll be like oh these are teeth from a child yeah. from a serial killer then it's like oh, yeah. oh. And you'll notice we've arranged them in a pentagram yeah. <laughs> and then just like really bizarre uh. shit where it's like and here's you know Robin Williams is dead here's his jacket from uh, one of his movies no 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 Robin Williams <laughs> let, let me get this out there Robin Williams not a ghost <laughs> nothing spooky about Heath him Heath Ledger's shirt from the Patriot like weird shit like, like they had a room that was just like celebrities and it was like mm. Celebrities who had died, like random artifacts. Of if theirs. I put that jacket on, I'll also OD. Yeah, or you'll so. become the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> they had oh, Liberace's no. piano, like weird. Tickle those. Uh, Liberace didn't kill himself, nor he just died of AIDS. Yeah, but they just drove the piano down yeah, the street. I, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily like. Yeah, but there's nothing spooky yeah, about had, Liberace. Like, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Swayze stuff too. It was literally just like it seemed like when a famous person died, Zach would okay. be like. Let me get one of their things. Yeah, what if you I never know? His shoes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, fucking, <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah. It goes in perfectly. I'll give you my whatcha. Colin here. There's a bunch of white guys talking, so I'm going to say my name every once in a while. <laughs> right. Uh, Colin here. My whatcha. I've been reading some Stephen King. I've been reading The Talisman, which is kind of his take on not a cursed object, but an object that kind of allows him to travel through different worlds as as all Stephen King stuff ends up becoming different worlds. Um, <laughs> he loves HP. Uh, it's, it's co-written with Peter Straub, one of his few co-written books, uh, and I love it a lot. So let's jump in, guys. That's it for Whatcha. Let's talk the books, the man, Stephen King. Hey, Normies, we're back. We're talking the king of horror, Stephen King himself. Uh, let me just get your guys' backgrounds before we talk his background. Big fans, or are you constant readers? That's what Stephen King calls his dedicated fans. All right, well, let me jump in first then. This, I'm, I'm the Normie on this one as far as the books. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I have familiarity with the films and stuff and, you know, a little bit on the game side because there's games that are 
tied to his content, but the books, I've not read a Stephen King book. Let's let what, just come not out. Not a single one? Not a single one. I've not read a single one. I mean, these are page turners. These are pulps. These are number one bestsellers. That's what I hear, you know. Okay. <laughs> I bet I you, Jeremy. got to check them out. Uh, I, I had a run with genre films early in my career. Uh, I absolutely loved a lot of his early work. Uh, again, I have also not read any of his books. Uh, I, no, that's not true. I did. I read the first chapter of Cell. The Ooh, cell phone so one. you have read the worst mm. book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You I was, are I was like, wait, by what my is mom. Cell? Oh, good. Yeah. And she loved it. She recommended it. She said it was the greatest thing she'd ever read. It was like, oh here, go read God. this. And uh, I couldn't make it past the first chapter, but that's kind of how I am with most books. So, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, I've kind of gotten into some of the remakes that have been happening out of the Stephen King stuff lately. I really enjoyed it. Very interested in Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery trailer. Yes. Looks great. We should talk about just released the day that we are recording this. Looks fucking fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Really excited for that one. How about you, Joe? Niche or are you normie? Uh, I would say I split the difference. Um, definitely not as well versed as you. I've listened to a handful of books. Um, there's some really good audiobook versions of some of the classics. God, I pray to God he is not reading them. <laughs> uh, none that I have okay. read or listened to with our viewers. Um, yeah. Hey there. <laughs> on the next page. Um, I've read some short stories. I've read some of his um, advice for writers is, is really interesting, too. Mm. He's written a lot of articles, some books, um, and some diagrams that are just, like, really helpful for writers. Um and then I think I got like halfway through Pet Cemetery once. I think. Feels familiar. Yeah. And some of the short stories. Um, but no, not, not as many as you have. Look, okay, so I'll just jump right in here. Yes. I, I am the niche here. I love Stephen King. This is not a long love. I had a girlfriend in college who just said, you don't read these things? I mean, I read one of these a week. And I would think, well, what do you mean you fucking read one of these a week? It's that simple? No, it's that engrossing. Wow. I think, oh, okay, so what are you on right now? Uh, and she would tell me about this book, Duma Key, which is sort of... I mean, it's another one of these, you know, he's a writer, he's an artist who's lost someone who's at a haunted location and who just starts going through things. I mean, does that sound like 1408? Does that sound like The Shining? I mean, <laughs> secret like window. Secret stuff. window. Oh, yeah. Shut up, Mike. Don't you dare talk about Secret Wait, window. Is Secret Window? <laughs> I am going secret to talk window, about Stephen it. Secret Window, Stephen King. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's of everything, course. Man. Oh, are you kidding? That's a terrible short story. Yeah, but the movie's got Johnny Depp Sauvage himself. <laughs> so, anyway, the book um, side. I see your stack of books right here, Colin, I, so I can so tell. So I collect them beyond that. Uh, not necessarily first editions, uh, because if you are doing that, you are a maniac. <laughs> Good right. for you for being able to get them down, and maybe you've loved Stephen King for that long. And if you have, that's fantastic. Look, he's been doing it since the 70s, uh, since his first book, Carrie. Guys, any have you? nobody here has read Carrie? No. I've read excerpts before the, the remake came out because I was curious about the original source material, but no. Doing my research for the you know episode, and I'm just looking at the, the books and everything, looking at the list, I was shocked to see that Carrie was his first novel because that could be argued as like what is one of the most well-known. There's probably like a top three there, but Carrie, like they've done a remake. The movie stands up, you know, like... Oh, Brian De Palma's masterpiece, if right? That's your uh, first has everybody outing, seen the film at least? Yeah, yeah I've seen I, I think it's interesting that too that you have a book that put one of the biggest icons in the writing world on the map. And then Brian De Palma's, you know, Carrie put him on the map for a long time, you know, faded off eventually, but yeah. did some pretty crazy stuff in the early seventies and eighties. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, I would recommend it. So I started there. 
You know, the minute I got recommended Stephen yeah. King, I said, well, I'll start at the beginning. I'll start at his number one book. Picked it up off the library. Ended up buying a copy myself because I loved it. It is experimentally so different than you guys would actually imagine. Let me describe the book to you. Mm-hmm. It is all interview. Uh, it is the survivors of a catastrophe of the school, right. of a huge psychic event. The government now believes that there are psychic people, and they put out a division to sort of research this. It's almost like that film Chronicle, right? Wow, no, that sounds awesome, because the movie, you know, obviously it's from Carrie's perspective, and the idea that the book interviews a survivor, that it's like supplemental material. If you like the movie, get the book. There's even more there. Wasn't a Firestarter... Was that Stephen King as well? Oh, absolutely. In the same universe, dude. right? Oh, absolutely. So that uh, follows his sort of weird military background. He creates a division called the Workshop, which is sort of the CIA's X-Files, right? The people who look into the weird, mysterious people. When they find a kid that can start fires, they start utilizing her to be a weapon almost. Almost like we just saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, shield using ghost, blah, blah, Deadpool blah, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2. I mean, it's really interesting that Stephen King was doing this kind of shared universe stuff long before because we even have that show on uh amazon now that's um castle rock yeah or hulu that's yeah, like yeah. A col- you know a collection of a bunch of influences from different stuff set in one of his favorite reoccurring locations set in castle rock i mean guys think about how important castle rock has been our entire lives rob reiner's production studio when he starts making films like stand by me is called castle rock he names it after the town in stephen king books where these things are occurring a bunch yeah. i mean it's it's a weird like you're saying very cool weird universe so that's all the niche stuff uh, the normie stuff is is that one of these is coming out a year. Wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, he is still the Woody Allen of writing these He's books, He's the guys. anti-George R.R. R. Martin. Yes. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> George R.R. Martin has said to him, like, how do you do it? And he says, oh, look, really? I oh, wake up. Exactly. <laughs> like, I wake up. I follow the same routine every day. I get up at nine o'clock and I start writing and I do it till five like it's a job. And he's got, you know, like a, a history of, you know, he had some drug problems and stuff. But like, then you look at, he, he likes to go for walks and clear, like he takes it seriously. And like, he, he has this insane output. When you say there's one coming out a year, that blows my mind. I was looking at the list and it's like, yeah, there's like stuff coming out constantly. How does he have that output? So Yeah, he's not going to stop. Um, and has the quality kept up? Yes, I would say it has. Uh, the most recent film of his I've read was from three years ago called Revival, sort of a Mary Shelley Frankenstein horror. Uh, it's about a preacher who, who can kind of bring people back from the dead. Very Carnival-esque, if you guys ever mm-hmm. watched that HBO program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fucking scary as shit. Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining that follows uh, uh, the young uh, Torrance child who survives you know, his father's insanity. Yeah. Uh, uh, and ends up facing psychic vampires uh, is a masterpiece. <laughs> you know, I, I know that sounds insane. Mike Flanagan, a director, the guy who did Oculus, uh, who's done Stephen King adaptations, Gerald's Game on Netflix, is doing an adaptation of Doctor Sleep. And Gerald's Game is like a bit newer, right? Gerald's Game uh, was in the '90s or 90s. maybe the early 2000s. Yeah. I've read that as well. So the plot of that is it's a woman whose husband is into S and M. They uh, take a romantic weekend together. She hates him. Uh, And while he has her handcuffed to the bed and he's basically about to rape her, he has a heart attack and dies. And she is left at that cabin by herself, losing her insanity. That is nuts. I think, I think, I mean, obviously I'm seeing the movies. I saw the trailer for that. I want to check that out. The book sounds good too. 
He's good at writing what we would call bottle episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about what I just said. This happens, that happens, that happens. Does that sort of sound like flashcard matchups to you guys? It's a this meets a that, and this occurs. Right. Yeah. I mean, does that bug anybody? No, because that's the master of writing. I mean, he, he's <laughs> got a formula that he knows how to use, and he plugs, you know, good drama into it. And isn't that anything boy meets girl, man meets wild? Like, it, it's how all drama is created anyway. Yeah. Absolutely, and he is writing essentially the same story over and over again, as we all are, but I would say, uh, and if you guys would like just top recommendations here, and let's do a top and bottoms after this, just tell me what your favorites of any of the media are of Stephen King, of the of maybe even just the works that you've read, if you guys have, and then the bottoms. Uh, my top is The Stand. It's a masterpiece. Mm, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the miniseries. The miniseries I've yeah. seen. The I've book not read the book. itself is the great American novel. You hear wow. that a lot. You know, people back in the day, Steinbeck uh, used to say, you know, is Of Mice and Men the great American novel? It talks about the climate of the time. It traverses the country. It has an interesting plot. It was consumed by the masses. That was the stand. It was on everybody's bookshelf when I was a kid in 1992. You know, uh, I, everybody I knew was reading that book. Uh, and beyond that, it traverses the globe. It traverses different characters. You, you have one central character being a over 100-year-old black woman in the South, you know, and uh, opposed to her POV, uh, a young mute child. You know, like, how interesting is that? You know, he's writing these very developed characters. So that's the top. That is my high recommendation for everybody who has not checked that out. It might be considered his masterpiece. That's a good, that's a good rec. Um... The stand what about I your saw, bottom? Yeah, let's hear that. Uh, <laughs> what yeah, about your bottom, buddy? We'll where's talk, the, we'll talk the about stuff? it in the movie portion specifically, but I will yell at Jeremy here and say that his mom is wrong. The cell is the worst. <laughs> so it is basically, sometimes Stephen King almost gets essentially dared to write his books. Uh, he, he was good friends with George Romero at the time. He wanted to do something with zombies, and he was just so fucking stubborn, he doesn't own a cell phone. So the plot of that is cell phones send out a signal that turn people into rage zombies. Uh, that's just him making a point. <laughs> you know, sometimes, these days exactly. cell sometimes he truly is just shaking his cane, and you're just like, shut up, old man. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Never said that I enjoyed the No, book, no, no. I but, know. <laughs> no, yeah. But I'll yell at your mom here. Okay. <laughs> so I know, I know she's a listener, of course. I guess um, for my top and bottoms, like, I don't really have like a bottom Stephen King thing, you know, but I like movie side, I like Stand By Me. That's not on the horror side. I love Stand By Me. Creep Show is probably my favorite Stephen King movie, but that was also the anthology. Mike, can I talk about Stand By Me just real quick since we're in the book portion of it? Yeah, tell so me if there's differences. Stand By Me. Oh, are there differences? What's the name of the book? The Body. The Body. Yeah. I did some homework. It's about four kids going out to try and find a body. It's a short story. It's in one of his best books, Stephen King's Different Seasons. This is four books, each set in different seasons. And they're novellas. I mean, they're not really shorts, uh, but but uh, tell me if you guys have heard of some of these. Okay. Uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Mm, yeah, so <laughs> what, did, what did that end up becoming? Mm, a mega success. His yeah. largest uh, awarded film of all time with seven Academy Award nominations, Shawshank Redemption. Right, out of the same anthology. Out book. of the same anthology as The Body. You've got Apt Pupil, an Ian McKellen film, Brian mm -hmm. Singer's first film. Has anybody ever seen that? We call him BS, but yeah. <laughs> we do call him BS on this podcast because we do not like to talk about BS. <laughs> Art from the artist, though, yeah. Our yep. pupil. Heard uh, that, one. that is about a 
uh, a young student who is a sociopath, as most of his characters are, who befriends an elderly old neighbor by him. Uh, and he befriends him because he recognizes that he might have been an SS officer who killed the Jews. Whoa. And they team up together to do some very bad things. And he's actually played by Ian McKellen in the film. That's the opposite of his Magneto yeah, character. Basically. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. Uh, and it's, it's great. Uh, how about the body, of course? Yeah. And then the last one, not adapted, called The Breathing Method, which is about a gentleman's club that exchanges stories. One of the stories that they tell is about a woman who gets her head cut off but is still able to deliver a baby because she does The Breathing Method. Colin, you and I have talked about adapting that at some point. I just that love the idea one. of gentlemen sharing insane stories. The it's It's got a very complex mystery. It's actually one of my favorite out of that anthology. But just the description, I mean, that sounds fucking insane, yeah. right? Yeah. It was also like a weird tie-in to some of the other yeah. Stephen King universes. I mean, that's what Castle there. Rock is. Yeah. You know, Castle Rock could end up being one of these stories in The Breathing Method. Absolutely. Joe, um, did we get your... Tops and bottoms? No, um... You know, it's tough. I don't really care for a lot of the more dramatic Stephen King pieces, I guess. Uh, I, I don't really care for Stand By Me. I don't... Um, Green Mile, I don't really care for as much mm. as as some of the the more spooky stuff. I like the spooky stuff. Pet Cemetery, super excited for the remake. Yep. Love the original. Salem's Lot. Um it. I also love the the era of '80s and '90s miniseries, um, like The Stand. And there was a pretty good run of just weird material that Stephen King would actually pop up in. Like it was so pulpy and so '80s and so bad. Oh, who's that guy doing a cameo as the preacher in Pet Cemetery? Oh, it's maniac Stephen King. Yeah, <laughs> his cameo in uh, Creep Show. Yeah, yeah, That's another yeah. good one. Terrible. Um, I like Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> it's sure. crazy. You love the is. Green Goblin, yeah. so that just tra- translates um, over. But yeah, I, I, I like uh, I like a lot of the like dumb miniseries that came out. The Stand was one of those things where it's like I remember ordering like a large pizza with a couple buddies and like sitting around all day and watching that. And like that's what we did that Sunday. Um, what's the one? It was a miniseries. It was basically like House on Haunted Hill. About uh, oh. Rose Mansion. Was, oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, I do not remember it's that one. That me, one's yeah. really bad. I'll look it up though. <laughs> Thank um, you, Mike. Meanwhile, we should yeah, I can't remember anything about it, but that was like a big part of my childhood because I remember that being like excited for that. Or being even like, do you guys you remember know, like fourteen and being like, I'm gonna watch this. Sure. Or do you remember when NBC would do the remake of The Shining? Like there was a lot of cash grabs yeah, by NBC, CBS, where they would say, Look, this whole week we're showing one weird Stephen King thing. Yeah. I got the name of that. It's Rose Red. Rose Red. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, re- <laughs> I rewatched it. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. But at the time, I remember yeah. being like, every night, can't wait. There's like another it- one that like a shark can walk. <laughs> like I was God, super I into. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say my, my bottoms, I guess, are are still great i just don't really care for them as much like shawshank i don't really care for shawshank boy you are missing out maybe it's because i've seen it nine million times but that is a film that i can never turn off true that's what everybody says like when it's on it's on it's one of the most watched Um, films of all time frank darapont who has a huge relationship with stephen king properties uh doing the green mile as well um, how about the creature feature stuff? Do you guys care when it's like a Cujo and it's just a like Cujo, a monster? Silver bullet. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Well, 
One, I'm worried we're getting a little too into the movie. I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to well, throw these it out there. Well, these are books. This is Cujo, baby. I, I, I like the idea of Cujo, right? Yeah. Like, I like I like the creature. Like I said, that's a bottle episode. They're trapped in a car. And it's one location. Let me tell you, the book plays out that way, like, completely. It is so cool how you're like, oh, my God. If I was this mom in the backseat of a sedan with my son and I could not escape and no one was there to help me, like, you feel every second of it's like book. gerald's game yeah. you're trapped in one room like it's such like misery a, yeah it's such like a very, lean very way true. to do a book or a screenplay like you could just make that movie for nothing and they could remake it you know i think that's one that should be done and we'll talk more of that movies i want to throw back to guest zone here tops and bottoms we didn't get your favorites oh boy uh yeah again not going too far into the movie zone uh i mentioned this before we came on that uh, i really like 1408 i really like that movie and I, I think about... I love John Cusack. I do. Actually, he's great in that film. <laughs> he is. I think he's, he's very, very good cool. in that film. And Samuel Jackson. He's got a dark well. twist at the end. Like, it makes yeah. you feel not good. The, yeah, there, there's a very defining moment in that film when, like, your whole gut just sinks. And it's like, oh, this is a... This is... It's sort of lighthearted and funny. And they have some fun with the audience. And then it's just like, no. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all away. Yeah, please. Like, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just remember watching that film and just really thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, bottoms for me, uh, very controversial. I can't stand Pet Cemetery. Really? I, can't I was going to say, so that's my second favorite. So when I talk sort of like very basic premises, like we were talking like with the creature features, stuff like that, Pet Cemetery, it's Monkey's Paw. Like it is yeah. literally just a remake of the month, oh, Monkey's yeah. Paw. You know, it's that human desire of what if I got back the one person that I lost that I want so much, and what if that was perverted and dark? You know, it's it's a very common scary fear. We all have people we've lost and that we love, but it is so perfect and grounded. I love that book. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, I think um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. I I remember somebody giving me the concept, and I was like, oh, that's fascinating. That's like I really want to see this thing, and uh, couldn't do it. Is that maybe Stephen King's strength in writing? Then is maybe not his ideas, but his execution? Because even things like you know, I mentioned I like Creep Show. There's the um, the one with the meteor and the guy gets all green. Yeah. That's the, like the Stephen Mock King man, literally a yeah, uh, swamp creature. That's like HP Lovecraft's the color from outer space where the meteor lands and starts mutating everything around it. Right. Like what if spooky ghost, right? Like that's a lot of stuff like Stephen King, the monkey's paw, as you just mentioned, maybe he takes these concepts and then grounds them in relatable characters and a relatable reality. Yeah. I think it's and, taking horror and wrapping it in a character drama, which then elevates the resonance of those themes. Absolutely. And that is so true. And such a cool comment, Mike, I absolutely agree with it. Let me put this out there for you. Mm-hmm. We're talking execution in that book. And I'm very curious. I saw no picture of it in this new trailer that was just released today for the most recent pet cemetery. Yep. Uh, in the book and not included in the original film, there's a moment where Jed Crandall, the, you know, oh, hey there, the main, you know, neighbor who takes him across and shows him the pet cemetery mm-hmm. uh, uh, as they walk in the middle of the night by torchlight. And he's saying, we shouldn't be doing this. Let me tell you about the native Americans who, who set up this pet cemetery originally when the ground turns sour. And yeah. you know, now it raises the dead. In the background, a Wendigo is seen trailing them oh, and just walking no. in the moonlight and sort of does this dance. 
And the lead says, what was that? Jed Crandall says, ah, nothing, just keep moving. Uh, <laughs> and they never talk about it ever again. Sounds like Zach Bagan's it's, horror museum. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, can I, oh this, is, this is so out of place, but I have to say it because well, I forgot. Let me, say, well, let me finish up my point. <laughs> it's so weird that he includes stuff like that. The execution with the grounded characters is so incredible. You're absolutely right. But weird details like that. I think he just gets lost. I don't know. I, it's a mixed bag. But please tell us more about this murder museum. <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna save it for the end. Okay. It'll be it'll be like the last little sting we do. So stick with us, um, normies, if you want to hear. <laughs> if you gotta hear this, because yeah. this is I, I I thought about it the rest of the time we were walking. I was like, I can't believe that that just happened. Oh. Um, but but to, to stick on Stephen King and to stick on the books here, as opposed to some of the movies, I think another niche element. Um, is the differences that you were just talking about with the Wendigo from the adaptations that kind of all the normies know and some of the niche stuff. Like if you read the book, you really like the ending of it. The most famous, of course, is the orgy of it. Everybody here knows about that. Yeah, yeah. So cut from it. I guess that's that's a good way to look at the way to bring the books in. Is yeah, what are some of the key differences yeah. from the books to the movies? Is a way to walk that line, um, or the giant turtle, or any of it. Yeah, the giant turtle is a weird thing. So so he's well, like a so, genius, but a little too weird sometimes. I'm, I'm covering my eyes because I'm getting really scared talking about this sort of Stephen King stuff because it just falls apart so much. And everybody here is familiar with the Dark Tower and stuff like that as well. Yes, yes. that it does become cosmic. We talk about that a lot in the Marvel universe, where it's like this is the earth this it's so normal it's so you know these are the superheroes we have it's already hard enough to understand this winter soldier versus guardians (laughs) of the galaxy yeah exactly and then we have the creators of the universe where it's like oh my god like we're losing touch here that is the dark tower universe so but to take that back to it with things like the orgy uh i i want to talk about do you guys know what the ritual of chud is is that a Cthulhu thing? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. Do you guys remember the movie Chud? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> With the weird glaive and the monsters that come out of the sewer. The Chud. It's cannibal humans under. Under, under dwellers under or dirt. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Uh, it has nothing to do with that, unfortunately. This is something a lot of people are writing about now, like the orgy with chapter one, which was removed, where they're saying in the film chapter two, will the ritual of Chud also cross over? I mean, it's on everybody's brain. It is one of the weirdest stuff. It ties to the cosmic universe. So I'm going to do the ritual of Chud for us right now. Joe, will you be my partner for the ritual of Chud? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't like the way very it sounds. Tentative. <laughs> You're not going to like any of this. Oh, he literally man. just went to the most cursed fucking place. <laughs> All right, check me up, baby. What are we doing? So everybody remembers the ending of the It film, the, the, the most recent remake. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even just the miniseries. We just had the kid. He looks into the eyes of Pennywise, which releases the dead lights which is sort of the conceptual what is pennywise pennywise is a monster we cannot comprehend the dead lights are him mm-hmm. it's what we can't comprehend yeah. what we see as pennywise is what we do understand so again it's also fucking weird so the way to beat pennywise the stuff that we cannot comprehend joe stick your tongue out okay yeah shut me up <laughs> yeah, he's doing it he's doing a reader stick that tongue out Bite down lightly, just sort of, you know, press your teeth onto it. Okay, so now come over here. I'll do the same. Put your tongue into my mouth. <laughs> Put your tongue into my mouth. I'll bite down on your tongue, too. You'll bite down on mine. Now lock eyes with me. Whoever makes the first person laugh with a dirty joke gets obliterated. Their mind goes to hell. 
Whoa. Ch- Chud. Does, does that make <laughs> what the fuck was that? Does that make sense to anybody? I can't no. believe you guys actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, but that's yeah, like what the hell insane, is that? right? That's the know. nichest of the fucking niche. So everybody's talking about this, saying, is that how they're going to defeat him? Uh, it also involves them taking mushrooms and sort of having dreams where they realize that's how they do that by talking to a turtle. And is this once they're adults or as This like, is once they're fucking adults. Okay, because that seems like weird <laughs> teenager shit. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's very much, it is, let me tell you. So with the understanding of defeating each other mentally with that laughter, the agreement that we're making is if you laugh, your mind's obliterated. It's all based on your perception, your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. They translated that into both the films in the first film with the girl who uses the slingshot, I believe the silver bullet's going to kill you because it works on werewolves. Oh, right. Bam, this is you're battery dead. battery acid. Exactly. Scum. Exactly. That was fun, yeah. Or the most recent where they use the cattle bolt stunner, and it's even though it's not loaded, he says, I think this is going to kill you, blows Pennywise away. Um, it's all the worst. <laughs> I mean, does anybody feel good about what I just said? That, I like I, that stuff. I don't want any of that. The involved. Chud stuff? Oh, the Chud stuff, <laughs> Well, next no. time you be his partner then. <laughs> yeah, dude, give me it. <laughs> um, no, like, yeah, that, like, even, even everyone knows, like, the turtle is so weird, right? Yeah. But... The turtle is Ga. So just to... <laughs> while, while I have you here, Ga, G-A, Ka, K-A, is the spirit energy of everything. Uh, the turtle is in charge of that. The turtle is one of the pillars. I, I, re- readers, niches, you know what that is. Normies, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> it's, sorry. It's just too much. Read the Dark Tower uh, Sep trilogy. I mean, it's insane. And all of that ties back in. Because, yeah. again, Stephen King does have sort of his weird own uh, MCU. I mean, this yeah. is all connected way before other people were doing that. And that's, worlds on worlds. And that's kind of like what Castle Rock is tapping into. Yeah, it's which like is pretty cool mythos. if you haven't checked it out. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this would probably continue if there's so much meat on the bone in the books, you know? Like, maybe not the weirdest of weird stuff, just because it wouldn't translate to your average audience, but it's awesome that that stuff is in there. Because, like you said, he was doing a universe in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, like, it's like, who was thinking that? of that stuff? No. Well, you know, you got to be cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> well, cocaine! Yes, <laughs> Maximum much. overdrive! Uh, and, you know, while we're here, let's talk comic books for yeah, just a minute. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, so, he's, he's got a very interesting history with it. Stephen King loves comic books. I mean, he fucking loves them. Yeah, Batman, who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pulp characters. I mean, growing up at his time, you know, he would go to the Creature Feature every weekend and then spend 10 cents on a comic book. You know, that's what it was when you were growing up. Um, you mean in the 50s, which, you know, he should reference in a book? Yeah. Shut non-stop. up, shit brain. <laughs> uh, I mean, guys, The Stand includes a character who writes like a Beach Boys doo-wop song that plays throughout like the entire... It's like so brutal. Oh, man. Um, Not to throw you off track. <laughs> uh, so... Um, he's got a long-term relationship with him. He always loved Batman. He wrote the introduction to Batman's 400th issue. Uh, uh, he's, he's done Marvel charity issues where they've teamed up several writers together to write like a killer issue of, uh, you know, where all the proceeds just go to charity. Uh, but his own background is actually very interesting. He did an original graphic novel, Cycle of the Werewolf, which was turned into a uh, movie, a very bad Gary Busey movie called Silver Bullet. Have any of you guys ever seen that? No. Yes. Corey Haim in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a devastating book. It's, I'm holding up to you guys now. Under 50 pages, you know, pictures on every other side, you know, maybe four sentences per page. Very quick read. It's remarkable. 
Like the way that you feel for this young boy who just wants to watch a fireworks celebration on the weekend, but it's canceled because a mysterious serial killer is targeting women. Oh, wait, he's ripping them apart. He's a werewolf. I mean, it's fucking incredible. I highly recommend this comic book. Uh, and beyond that, he has done original work. He did American Vampires with uh, Scott Snyder. Joe, oh, one, one of, of your my favorites. favorite Batman writers. Not drawn by Greg Capullo, though. I do apologize. No, that's all right, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Scott Snyder also has a lot of ties to like these kind of macabre horror books yeah. with his book Witches and stuff like oh, that. Oh, very so. cool. But it's about Civil War vampires. Oh, okay. I mean, we had we had Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Maybe it came from there. <laughs> um, that werewolf. Um, what's it called again? It is called Cycle of the Werewolf. I'm trying to read it, yeah. Cycle of the Werewolf. That sounds like that would be up my alley because as we talked on the spooktacular, like American Werewolf in London, like I was a big werewolf kid, right? So yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely what I'm going to check out. you would say? Definitely, definitely. Like wolf is my favorite animal because I like bad t-shirts from Amazon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you're wearing three wolf, one moon yeah, right three, now. Yeah, three, three wolf moon. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to stop, uh, you know, on the interstate and just get a sick wolf statue and a pocket knife. You know? Sick. Yeah. Can we vote? I am a gentleman, sir. Yeah. So can we, can we vote vampires versus werewolves real quick? I'm werewolf. Werewolf. I, I think everybody's. Oh, you're a vampire. Yeah. Uh, you're a werewolf right. over vampire. I would have thought you said vampire for sure. Really, I Joe? Know, it's a little too. I'm more of the underworld too hybrid. Much, right? I like the idea yeah. of like letting the devil out, not oh, yeah. not skulking <laughs> around in the, the night. Devil out. Yeah, and Mike's interested in the blue werewolf lichen hybrid. From yeah, the just the best of both worlds. Or, or just let me be Wesley. If I'm going to be a vampire, I'm going to be Wesley Snipes. Uh, but Cycle of the Werewolf introduces a really cool concept. It's by the moon cycle, which is why it's called that. He fully transforms during a full moon. Yeah. The other days, he's like a hybrid monster. So think of the first of the month. Oh, that's which so is way frustrating. Cool. Yeah. Looking. yeah, think about that. I mean, you're sort of almost hairy and your eyes are bigger. Then you look like the universal monster yeah. version and then you have yeah. a full snout yeah. later. Exactly. Eventually, How crazy would that be? Yeah. It would be impossible to have a relationship. When you read it, it's very apparent the character that it ends up being. If you guys remember the okay. film is as well it's it's a very interesting twist mike i'm um, surprised you haven't seen that one. i have not seen that one oh, you gotta check yeah. that one out i'll have to wolf it down. it's a good halloween movie <laughs> we heard that i'm trying to make my plan <laughs> <laughs> if, if you ignore <laughs> me won't keep doing it <laughs> if a pun is made on the cast and no one laughs did it really well, happen yeah. did it really happen? yes yeah. it did and it happens all the time folks <laughs> i'm gonna get the deadlights um so beyond that i also have here and i'll just pass out real quick so give me one sec you're gonna pass out are you all right man oh, i feel sick uh, I'll pass out. I've got a couple collections here of oh, just dope. some Marvel comic books that he's done. These are direct adaptations of his work. So these are the stand, uh, just different chapters. He breaks it down into six trade paperbacks and tells the entire, you know, fucking 500 plus fucking mega death book. Wow. Uh, and I really recommend these. So these, the Marvel license of adaptations that he has now covers the Dark Tower. It covers the stand. It covers Dark Tower prequel works. Uh, these stand books are written by Roberto Aguirre Sacase, who we talked about last week as the guy who took over for Archie Comics, introducing the zombie plot lines there and doing the dark Sabrina tales. I mean, you could He's not ask for a better writer. Uh, Spider-Man and, and Nightcrawler 2. Some, some good stuff on sensational Spider-Man back in the day. These are gorgeous. Yeah. Just a very cool Marvel uh, treatment of a very celebrated author. I mean, and that shows you right there. We're talking niche to Norme. Fuck, guys. Pick up the comic books if you don't want to read the book. You know, I knew the Dark Tower existed. I've never seen these stand books before. I'll definitely have to borrow those from him. 
I'm probably going to want to borrow Cycle the Werewolf. Oh, please. Walk out of here with these guys. Yeah, if yeah. I can get new readers to be constant readers, then we've done our job today. <laughs> I remember readers means readers and listeners. I mean, <laughs> it means everything. No. And Colin, you're not kidding. I mean, you really do have like your own Stephen King library in there. Like Everything I that I've read, I borrowed case. from you. <laughs> Thank you. I have a bookcase dedicated just to the King himself. Um, you know, I'm always trying to track down new books. You go to a dollar bookstore, guys, these are a dollar. Like, I'm not kidding. You pick up one and you read it for a, a week and you're done with it. And it's one of the best stories you ever read. You'll bawl your eyes out. Salem's a lot. I borrowed that from my dad. He got that in a mail order service when he was 18. Uh I mean, it's it's devastating. You just bawl your eyes out. You just think like, this man writes point of view characters of eight year olds to ten year olds up to maybe even thirteen year olds, and he captures them in such a perfect light by the tenacity that they have and the willingness to stand up and follow their dreams and their heart, and you know the weird sci-fi shit that they get wrapped up in just ruins their lives and it devastates you it's you know we were talking when we started this segment about writing what you know and, you know even like the shinings about like an alcoholic writer and how it's basically the situation he put his family in ruins all the shit like it's supernatural and extreme but like you, he's reflecting on that po- period of his life you know a monster tearing his family apart so yeah the way he can bring humanity and like make you just feel the struggle and the emotion and the psychological effects that these people are going through, even though it's supernatural elements, you can internalize it and kind of bring it into yourself. And like that's why you have those responses you were just describing, Colin. That's that's his strength. Yeah, and even somebody who just captures like best friends. Yeah, like, even that. Like that's the what, like, body was a challenge to him. I don't know if you guys know this. Somebody said, "Well, you can only write weird genre stuff," and he said, "I'll take all of that out and just write about four kids in the fifties going on an adventure." And it's, I mean. You know, it's also extra special just to talk about the movie version of it, but the character that River Phoenix plays in the film, in the book, dies tragically. I mean, that mirrors his life completely. So it's, oh, wow. I mean, it's just, it's fucking devastating. You know, Will Wheaton has said it, it tears him apart. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, the only Stephen King element, Stephen King-y thing is the fact that there's a dead body. The rest of it's just a coming of age yeah. best friend story. He did that well. Yeah. I think maybe the reason that I've strayed away from Stephen King is because anytime you go to like a bookstore, there's like the Tom Clancy's, which is just a line of books. There's the Clive Custler's line of books and then Stephen King. And I, I maybe just like internalize that. Like he's just writing so much. There's no way that these can all be good, right? Uh, Jeremy, I'm so glad you said that. If somebody recommended to me right now a Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan book, I, I don't think I would bite. Uh, and I don't know what's holding me back. Is it so? Here's the question: Is it bad to be this normie? I mean, this he's a normie. bestseller. He's the guy, like you're saying, who has his own rack. You walk by it, and do you kind of just roll your eyes? Yeah, now? I mean, it's a genre. Yeah, I think it's not bad. I mean, people aren't reading as many books. I feel maybe there's statistics that refute that. Maybe people are getting into it, but no, it's dropping, baby. Okay. Um, maybe it is intimidating to see the body of work, but maybe if we have more people like Colin out here advocating that you could just start at Carrie, it's his first book, it's his most popular book, and it's if awesome. If you want to, you know, also think about what you're interested in, you know, True. and don't be scared of the fact that it all connects, quote unquote, that's all the Dark Tower. And like, that's all you like don't, super yeah, niche stuff. Yeah, you you're not going to not, not have understand to a story. Everything can, is self-contained yeah. in each of these pieces, right? No, like Carrie is not a... Or, you know, Pet Cemetery is not a sequel to Carrie or anything no. like that. We don't get a, yeah, we don't get the Scarlet Witch herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, is it to his detriment 
being the normie king? I don't think so, man. I mean, that's, you know, it's hip to be square, right? Like, that's what we say. Like, yeah, I mean, you could say, look, oh, he's sold out. But I mean, isn't the point of, you know, being a writer is to have your books re- like read? Yeah. Like, for everyone. Isn't, to read. Doesn't yeah. everybody want to be successful at what they do? And, and like, you can say, like, if you're still writing a book every year right now, Stephen King, like, you, you could have stopped two decades ago and you could True. sit in a mansion, do whatever you want. Obviously it's his passion. Obviously it's something that means something to him. Could have stopped two decades ago and people would still be trying to catch up to the library of work. Yeah, exactly. I mean like, obviously he's not, he's not doing it now for anyone else's benefit, but his own. I mean, you know, like this is uh he does it cause he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, his politics haven't changed. He's still out there getting fights with Trump every goddamn day, uh, posting pictures of his weird little corgis that he calls the things of evil. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, he's just a goofy guy who lives in a weird gothic mansion in Maine. I hear he plays like heavy metal and like rock and roll music super loud. Oh, dude. Uh, He has a band with fellow TV writers, uh, performers, uh, Greg Greenberg, who is that the big guy who's in uh, the Star Wars movies with Joss Whedon and all his stuff? Oh, is that his name? I think think his first name is I believe he's the lead singer of that band as well. You know, it's just he loves like blues and rock and roll. Like at the end of the day, he would have given anything to do that stuff because he's so set in that mentality. Um, The last thing I want to touch on before we leave this segment of just sort of the literature, the work, the biography while we're kind of here is the car accident. Are you guys familiar with the car accident? I read about it um, when I was doing my research yesterday. I'm not. Jeremy, no. No. Joe, no. no. So I've got his other books right here. Uh, This is his memoir slash on the craft. This is on writing. This is the only autobiography that he has ever written. Uh, and it's half autobiography, half just technical craft. This is what I do every day. This is how I got published. It's a fantastic read just for that. Anybody who is interested in reading and writing, please read on writing. Uh, the second part is the first time he has ever publicly talked about the accident. Right. So in the 90s, he was out for a walk, uh, very post-drugs. I mean, he was totally clean by this point. Uh, he said at a certain point in the 80s, if you had gone through his trash, you would have found a needle, a pipe, uh, pills, um, uh, dust. I mean, literally bottles, every type of drug or alcohol dependency you could have found in that garbage can. He claims to have no memory of writing Cujo. Oh, yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> there are The Tommyknockers is about a, a town that becomes chemically dependent on alien technology. That is about him losing his mind writing Cujo. I highly recommend yeah. that as well. Um, but at this point, he's clean. He's going for a walk. At this point, he's clean. He's going for his daily walk to get his mind clean. He's in Maine, and he just gets run over by a giant pass fan. Uh, a guy was with his golden retriever, not golden retriever, I believe a German shepherd in the front seat, and he says he got distracted. Um, Stephen King would later push to see if he was under the influence. There is some belief there that maybe he was. Uh, and he ran over Stephen King. Literally, he rolled over the front of the hood. It smashed his hip. It completely broke his leg in five different places. Um, and the reason that I bring this up is this was the darkest period of his life. He thought about retiring. He was in so much pain, he became once again chemically dependent on painkillers to move forward. Uh, and he just started writing very grim, very powerful works. Uh, and it did change him. And I'm, I'm very proud of him for rising up. He's, of course, gotten over the painkillers and gotten back on track. And, I mean, he says 
to sit down at his desk and do his job that he does, the nine to five writing hurts him now every day. And he still does it. So you have to give it up. Yeah, from what I understand, too, like around that time was when he was writing Dreamcatcher and the character in that book gets hit by a car. Immediately, (laughs) right in the middle of the book. So you're talking about, we've said it three, four times, writing what he's experiencing. That's what he does. Yeah. Yeah, God love him. God love him. He's the king of normie horror. Uh, He's an absolute maniac, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm just rooting for the best for him. And I truly do do believe that he's still putting out great work. So keep reading, normies. Keep being constant readers. Check out the new books coming. Yep. And meanwhile, we should go to the movie section because there's been a lot of great films made on the works, right? So meanwhile, hail to the king. Let's roll it. All right, guys, fire up the projector. We're talking Stephen King movies. Uh, a lot of creepy, crawly movies made over the years. Uh, like we said at the top, number one adapted uh, writer of all time. That's right. Well, last time I turned out a projector, this weird clown jumped into my home movies. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it off for now. Uh, what a fucking horrifying scene that is. Man, I... Yeah, let's dive right into it, I guess. Should uh, we do tops and bottoms on you, oh, we Stephen King that? films? Stephen yeah, King why not? Films? Yeah, okay. All right, let's do top and bottoms, Stephen King films. Jeremy, you mind going first as our guest? Oh, boy. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I really like The Mist. You really like The that's, Mist? The Mist. That's a good Guys, choice. Yeah. you can watch on TV a black and white Mist version. They've done such cool stuff with that property. I love The Mist. One of the most haunting finishes to any film ever made, Such I think. a bleak ending, uh, Like... Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's not a good the choice. short story, we should say. Oh, they changed oh, so it. So what's they the difference there? I've not read that short story. Uh, that Truly, he is getting ready to do it. The mist clears up and the government comes. Oh, so happy the ending. director said, let's push it. And guys, it's Frank Darapon again. I mean, this is a guy who has a huge relationship in film with Stephen King. Mist, that's an awesome choice. You got a least favorite Stephen King adaptation? Um, Not really. I... This might be controversial. I have a really hard time with like the early Stephen King ab- adaptations, but strictly because I don't feel like they've aged super well. They're so cheesy too. Yeah. yeah, and it's unfortunate. And I, like the It remake, um, that was the first time that I actually enjoyed that story. And maybe it was just a technical execution of it uh, that it was updated and miniseries not scaring you. No, not at all. I mean, I didn't see it when I was younger. I didn't see oh, a lot okay. of this stuff. See, until that was I grew a up. sleepover classic for me. Like, okay, seven years old and seeing that. Yeah, I was. I was very closeted, uh, very young. I snuck up and saw Alien, and that was like the first thing oh, I saw shit. that when I was thirteen. Oh wow, mm. it was the first scary movie I saw. Damn, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Joe, you got a top and bottom on this. Um, I I really love the it remake too. I mean, I think that that. I would sit down and I would I would have watched that movie for five or six hours. I mean, it was you the, and everybody else, guys. It's the top grossing horror film of all time. Yeah, like the, the characters cool. were so well done, and like taking that story from the fifties to the eighties was just such a smart, simple choice to make. Yep. Um, can't wait for chapter two. A lot of set picks coming out now and stuff. Really think they did a great job with the cast. I can't wait for it. Um, I know it's early. We've only seen one trailer, but this Pet Cemetery remake, man, uh, that was one of the ones where I read, you know, some excerpts from it when I was younger, and like I liked the original, and I just thought it was such a sad, creepy concept. 
this remake looks incredible. Uh, so I can't wait for that. Joe, my impression earlier, obviously, of the weird, stupid voice, we don't see that in John Lithgow. That doesn't bug you? He's not doing an accent. No, it doesn't, because to me, it, I mean, it's more of like a... I don't know. They're just streamlining stuff. I think like the best Stephen King adaptations streamline things. Mm. Um, so I would put it way up there. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll say. I guess I'll say that. Um, just a side note. Do you guys remember the actor who played that character, Fred Gwynn? He was the father on the Munsters. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would feel bad saying The Shining is my favorite because he does not like The Shining. No. Um, but you could also easily just say Shining and Shining are your favorites, the, t- the movie and then the miniseries. He did write the miniseries. Um, but yeah, I, I would say top it, bottom. Lawnmower Man, Cell, Lawnmower 1408. <laughs> I don't like 1408 all that really? much. Um, yeah, I'll say Lawnmower Man, I guess. Uh, Running Man was him too, right? Oh, yeah. oh dude. Well, guys, we're talking Richard Bachman. <laughs> <laughs> and I did say up top, Richard Bachman, now that is the uh, pseudonym he took over to write certain books like that. So The Running Man is a Richard Bachman book, right. just like Misery was about to be until he was discovered. Uh, a writer wrote out to him and said, I think you're Richard Bachman. And he responded with, if you think so, come out here and ask me. I'll do a full interview. And he graciously did, and it kind of made that a reporter's career. Wow. 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 <laughs> That's a nice move. Yeah, it um, is a nice move. He yeah. ended up writing a book about the experience called The Dark Half, which is about a pseudonym for an author becoming a split personality and killing people. <laughs> so again, I mean, yeah, is that, yeah. Anyways, uh, Mike, can we get tops or bottoms? Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I was going to say Running Man. Because I thought the top I'll still do. I'm, I'm still there with it. you, buddy. I yeah. love it's a that sleeper film. hit. As an Arnold fan, come on. Yep. But it's nothing like the book, from what I understand. No. Right? No. It, I it's mean, like it sci-fi follow, warriors. Yes, and it does follow the weird death, futuristic. I mean, it's a yeah. lot like Hunger Games or a, a great Richard Bachman book called The Long Walk, uh, which is about teens just set out to walk until they die you can't stop the last person can stop wow. everyone else gets shot if they stop so this is very battle royale yeah, hunger it's games stuff that he's all doing. those themes yeah exactly hey i was gonna say running man because that's great arnold stuff man classic um also stand by me like i grew up watching that as a kid my dad would put it on as if it was a kid's movie it's not really mm. it's kids smoking and looking at pornos <laughs> yeah i was about to say i grew up watching that movie and it's awesome it's and that's another one where i didn't know it was stephen king I just knew I liked Stand By Me, and then as I grew up, I was like, oh, that's a Stephen King thing. And on um, the spooky Mike, side... Mike, can I ask real quick, did you ever have a treehouse? I did have a treehouse. Mm, okay. Yeah. Were you smoking cigars, looking up Playboys, and playing poker up there with the I wasn't, boys? I wasn't that cool. We didn't find any dead bodies either, and yeah. I certainly wasn't around Kiefer Sutherland. So. <laughs> just um, a different time. Different. It wasn't the 50s, man. Yeah. It just wasn't the 50s. Uh, spooky stuff, the It remake. Love it. And I don't really have a, a bottom, because even the dramatic stuff I like, Shawshank, Green Mile, it's all good, so... I'm a fan of the cinematic. Oh, Creep Show, dope as well. Creep so. Show is so good. Yeah. And that's the problem with coming up with these tops and bottoms. So many. It's like you just think, oh, this one, oh, that one. Well, and Mike, Basically, you said yeah. off pod, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, Maximum you Overdrive. Love Maximum Overdrive. One. Basically, we're doing this just to list out the shit we want to talk more about. So, Colin, I'll just look, guys, right here. You you are all struggling to come up with a worst adapted lawnmower man. Have you seen Lawnmower Man with Pierce Brosnan? It's pretty terrible. Yeah. 
It's another yeah. case of forgot that was Stephen King. Like we've been mentioning it. But. <laughs> so Jeff Fahey essentially plays the character Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. Uh, he mows exactly. lawns and he gets hooked up to a brain enhancer with a chimpanzee and they both get super smart and he becomes part of the internet. And do you guys remember the time when the virtual reality and the internet went together like reboot and weird TV shows like yeah. that where people would just be like, well, the future is polygons that are weirdly shaped yeah. and sort of like crashing on each other. There's a lot of like the fear of the unknown, basically, yeah. you know, like the technology yeah. is coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard it. Pierce Brosnan went on Jay Leno and essentially had to explain what virtual reality is. Yeah. Because nobody had ever seen it before this film. So why I say it's the worst, The Lawnmower Man is a short written by Stephen King that is three pages long. It is about a man who hires someone to mow his lawn. That's the whole thing? Did I just talk about the internet? Did I talk about virtual reality? No. no. So the studio that had that script had a script called Cyber God, and they also owned the rights to the name Lawnmower Man. Wow. They just put them together. Stephen King sued and said, do not do this. Stop this. They said, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have they a said, contract. Stop. stop. And he kept suing and he kept, wow. he got money and kept saying, stop doing this. They kept doing it. They did it on the, the uh, VHS release. They did it on the video game adaptation of it. I mean, they just kept putting Stephen King's lawnmower, man. Wow. That is crazy. I had no idea that it was a three page script that had nothing to do with tech. So. <laughs> I should say the twist is, do you guys know what a satyr is? It's like a half goat man. Oh, you remember from the Hercules yeah. film, right? Yeah. That's what Danny DeVito is. Uh, it turns out that's what's mowing his lawn. It's just a satyr eating his grass. That's the twist. Wow. Is that fun? Did you guys like that? Uh, it was a good three pages. Yeah, if I read it for three pages, I'd be like, oh, that was fun. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. So they just like slammed another script up against that. And yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah. And sold it off and made a quick penny. Uh, and if I had to talk favorites, look, guys, uh, Joe, you're breaking my heart. The Shawshank Redemption is the best adaptation of a Stephen King work of all time. It's beautiful. It's gorgeously shot. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know who shot it is the uh, greatest cinematographer of all time, who does a lot of the Coen Brothers' work. Uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm blanking right oh, now. Oh, yeah, he's the greatest <laughs> of Deacons. all time. Roger Deakins. Thank yeah. you, uh, Jeremy. Uh, and Frank Darapont masterfully casts it. Uh, he makes Morgan Freeman play the character Red, an Irish white guy with red hair in the, in the book. Um, <laughs> right. But it doesn't matter. You know, truly, that casting does not matter because Morgan Freeman really is the perfect character for that. Uh, there's so much cool stuff in it. Like uh, when you see uh, Red in his parole hearing in the first scene, you see his first ever mug shot from when he got arrested at 19 for, remember guys, I mean, it's the past for basically being a colored guy in a, in a white neighborhood. Right. Uh, it's uh, Morgan Freeman's son, you know, as the young Red, you know, just cool touches like that. Clancy Brown, one of my favorite actors of all time, basically made his career as the prison guard in that film and, and a bunch of really cool scenes where they drink beer on a roof while retarring it. And then he, you know, crawls through a pile of shit like that's the film. But it's still about the endearing nature of surviving impossible odds and living in an unlivable place. And finding camaraderie even amongst that environment, yeah. you know. And every time I leave uh, an apartment, I write Brooks was here. <laughs> right. So I've, I really carry that over. Do I don't really hang do myself. That? I do. Oh, wow. <laughs> I find a very small place in the apartment to carve in Brooks was here. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. You should spell your name with an X, by the way. It's just more edgy. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> It'll save you some work. Yeah, it would. Um, 
You know, and he's he's. Let's go through the list of top. Okay, so let's yeah. let's talk about what people like about Stephen King here, just with the movies. Highest grossing of all time. We just mentioned it. The It adaptation just yeah. came out last year. Written by Kerry Fukunaga, directed by Andy Muschietti. This is the guy who did the Mama film. Did you guys ever see that horror film? Really great film. Yes. Yeah, produced yeah. by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Very creepy. Very cool. He comes from that generation with Mike Flanagan and these other directors. Uh, who's the guy who who's doing Shazam? You know, Lights Out. Oh, uh, what name is totally name? blanking yeah. on me. But a generation of people who did short films that just got up, bought up by studios and made into features. Uh, Mama, uh, Lights Out, um, uh, Oculus. Did you guys ever see that by Mike Flanagan? Did see Oculus. Love yeah. Oculus. That was a short. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I've been sleeping on a lot of the modern horror stuff, so I have not seen this stuff. I think the guy's name is David Flanagan. Ooh, there we go. Though, for that one. Um, I thought It, like we mentioned it, because that's the highest grossing we're talking. I loved it. God, I hate the the name of the movie is It. (laughs) But I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, the characters are really well developed. The tone, the way they did the effects. Like Pennywise is a way different version than the Tim Curry version. But we're the same age here, pretty much, guys. Roughly yeah. about around. Do you remember walking around a blockbuster, seeing the cover of the original miniseries, seeing oh, yeah. Tim Curry come out of the cover, and almost fucking thinking that he could be behind you? <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was creepy to me being a kid. Oh yeah, but I mean, when like I watch I said, it now, that is a sleepover staple in my yeah. childhood. But does it age right? I don't think it does. People might want to kill me for that. I Maybe think. it's my nostalgia. I I've rewatched it twice in the last two years. Yeah, um, I rewatched it right before the movie came out, and then just a couple weeks ago, Cassie and I watched the miniseries, and then we watched uh, the remake because it's on HBO now. Yeah. Uh, tonally, I just think the Tim Curry one it doesn't hold up to me. It's a little goofier. The cast yeah. is TV quality. Uh, excitement about the second one. We don't have a trailer yet. We've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures. We know James McAvoy. We know yep. Bill Hader is taking over the Richie Tozar role, played by uh, the Finn Wolfhard from yep. Stranger yeah. Things, a beep, huge beep, fan Richie. favorite. Yeah, speaking of Stephen King. Beep. beep. Yeah, really. Stranger Things, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly about that, what do people say about Stranger Things? They say it's made by the two Stevens. Stephen King, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, true. these were the masters of their craft. Yeah. Which is why you're going to see their influences everywhere. I mean, it yeah. just makes sense. Yeah, you grew up watching Steven Spielberg movies. You grew up reading Stephen King books. You make your own stuff. It's going to be influenced by that. But um, Are you guys excited, though? Part two. I'm super excited. I lo- it's chapter two. Chapter, chapter two. two. I, I mean, it's going to make as much money predictions here to hit or shit it. Hit. Oh, massive hit. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Oh, yeah. Is I mean, the- based on the success of the first one, I, I don't think people are going to forget, you know. Bill Skarsgård. Knocked it out of the park is yeah. Pennywise. Like, yeah. my God. I was so nervous about that take. And then as right. soon as you, from the first scene you see it, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. This is great. It's like the opposite of the Jared Leto Joker. <laughs> <laughs> where you yeah, were where concerned when you off. saw it, but it pays yeah. off. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, very true. So it's going to be massive, massive, massive. And how about this? Jessica Chastain, she played in Mama with Andy Muschietti before. So you yeah. see this great Bringing working relationship carrying over. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we also know that the kids are going to appear in flashbacks. Uh, so we'll get to see that original cast again. More Finn Wolfhart. And, yeah. yeah. That's, that's all I need. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Richie's that's coming all back. all I need. Exactly. Um, do you think it'll include like High Ho Silver and like well, that? Or ending, even the tongue kissing that? that we just did? Uh, the Chuds? <laughs> the Chuds. <laughs> oh, no. So imagine. Give me a case of the so Chuds. So again, <laughs> that's James McAvoy is going to bite down on Bill Skarsgård's tongue and kiss him and tell him to laugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> James McAvoy. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm related to it. I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it does. I really hope it happens. Give me Chudder. Give me death. Yeah. All right. So getting off. Chudder dud. That's what I say. <laughs> getting off it. Let's talk the lowest grossing of all time. It's one we keep mentioning. Cell. This I one did not sounds... know there was an adaptation of Cell. Cell was released in 2017. John Cusack, Samuel L. Jackson plays the partner character, a postal carrier who also goes on the adventure with John Cusack's character to survive the zombie apocalypse. Uh, it was released on streaming platforms, direct TV only. It was immediately cut away. It's, I mean, it's wow. in the grossings of his film. It's at the bottom, but it's listed very differently. But I mean, by far, it has made the least. Well, think about that cast, like... They were in theaters for 1408 together. Yeah, it's them coming together ago. Yeah. Same director? Um, ooh, that's a great question. I don't believe so, but God, I hope I'd not. Ass- <laughs> I assume not. Yeah. Because yeah. it seems more like the catch grab of we got them both. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like Bruce Willis being in all those like, shitty movies that he makes in like a day that they're like, this is it. We can put it out. I've seen it, saw it with my father uh, on TV. Uh, it, it involves, uh, v- I mean, it's very similar to the book. They basically end up following along train yards to kind of stay away from the pack, essentially. And then they discover carriers that are almost like a queen bee, essentially, that are transmitting their own signal. I mean, it's just, it, again, does Seems any of that sound much. fun? Uh, it sounds like a video game plot to be. It honest. sounds like a three-page short story turned into a full movie. <laughs> well, it sounds a little bit like The Strain too. Yeah, uh, they're like their take on like vampires. On vampires, yeah, that's yeah, very true. true. I mean, I get you know, the cell phone phobia thing. Like, oh, as an old man, I get it. We're all zombies <laughs> looking at Facebook, right? Like, I get it, you know. But can you imagine if I wrote a book that was like, if you dab in Fortnite, you grow big fangs <laughs> and just like start <laughs> I'd eating? I'd be dabbing all day, baby. Would, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it just seems like a stuck in the mud. So uh, then we're talking again, uh, the considered worst by readers, Lawnmower Man. We talked about it because mm-hmm. of the adaptation from the source material. And then considered best, Shawshank Redemption with the huge nominations, seven Academy Awards, including Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Picture. Shawshank's one of those things that exists outside of Stephen King's like yeah nobody knows he writes it yeah it's like it does it even standing alone it would have that clout you know so yeah Shawshank is kind of in its own category you know I kind of look at the Green Mile in a similar way oh absolutely I mean by marrying Tom Hanks to your property again it surpasses being just even normie it becomes extra normie it's like oh of course everybody's gonna see that Tom Hanks is in it but yep. Let's go ahead and talk the top then. Let's talk the top 10 grossing of these guys. Uh, so these are considered the most popular works of his. You have The Stand. You have It. You have The Shining. You have Misery. You have Salem's Lot. You have 112263, Green Mile, Dark Tower, Shawshank Redemption, Dead Zone. Now, what do all those have in common? Stephen King books. <laughs> yeah, and that they've all True. been made into huge movies and TV series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dark Tower was uh, pretty disappointing, though, I heard from, yeah. from people. Yeah. I did not even see it. So, Jeremy, did you see that one? I avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> like the plague. Mike? Yeah, no, just 
seemed like it was not tracking the right direction. I didn't no. know the source material, and I feel bad because I like Edris Elba, and I wish he had a cool, badass movie series to be a part of. Yeah, you, know? you watch him in the Marvel films, and you think there's a guy who's really underutilized. I want him there. to be 007. Like, I love Edris Elba, but he's a fucking man. Well, there's, there's... Well, hold on. Hold on, Mike. No. Why? No. My, no. <laughs> Are you the internet No, my, my James Bond's white. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a dude, internet. and he oh, kisses God. girls. <laughs> who, had, who brought their cell phone? I think the internet got in. <laughs> um... Um, it's if you guys recall, a lot of the trailers were built around the gunplay, yeah, uh, and yeah. not necessarily the world. And Matthew McConaughey produced it and had a lot of creative control, playing one of the most popular Stephen King pl- uh, characters, Randall Flagg, aka the Man in Black, who's essentially right. the Antichrist, who is capable of moving through these worlds. He's the villain in the stand. Uh, he's the villain in Eyes of the Dragon, which is his only fantasy novel he's ever written as like a gift to his daughter. Hmm. Um, it, it's not great. It's bad. Yeah. So you saw the film. It's yeah, just... it's bad. Uh, it includes subplots that they always try to throw in now with teenagers having autism, which I just never think is necessary. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a bummer because um, I know that's like, yeah, what, seven, eight books now? Yeah. That is that are just kneecaps. Technically, his biggest. You series. said the magnum yeah. opus, right? Yeah, and of course. Up the uh, first he movie? certainly feels that way, uh, and and he does have an HBO contract now, where they say they are developing it. Uh, it used to be parallel and alongside the film franchise, but you would have to assume that they'll throw all that mythos away. They're just going to read. They so, have yeah. to. But also, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought the movie took place like after some of the books. And made it in a kind of confusing timeline for people who were not. So this is kind the of the material. interesting twist of the Dark Tower is that three of the books are the same book because it plays exactly the same in a cycle. It's almost like coming from a different angle. the The film, the twist of Dark Tower is the last scene is he essentially has to go on the journey again, and you realize it's a gigantic circle. Spoilers alert! There, apologies. Right. Uh, um. In the film franchise, the idea that the directors had was this was the last go-around. This was him post the book going on that journey again. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's that's not necessary. A, it's not necessary. B, it's like, oh, how do I make this thing less approachable for a general audience? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Oh, jeez. I would make it so that the first episode is the ending of the last episode. And then you just can watch it perpetually (laughs) Uh, so if I go through that list again will you guys tell me if you've seen these yes so the stand yes the miniseries the miniseries and supposedly Ben Affleck and Josh Boone were tied to this Uh, Josh Boone the director of New Mutants coming up and he did The Fault in Our Stars um I just don't think it works as a film series. It's, again, his largest book at the time, uh, and it encompasses the globe and also the West Coast blowing up the East Coast, essentially. I mean, it's like... See, I think it would work great as something like the Leftovers. As a two-part film? Well, as like The Leftovers. You know what I mean? Well, the way they were pitching it was an It-style split down the middle. It would need to be. Yeah. I mean, based on Mm. the... Because by the time you get to the end of the miniseries, you are nowhere near where you started. And it's... I think if if you if you made it a two-parter you could at least have that tone shift that yeah. they go through where it's like city of sin baby <laughs> like oh yeah you need to you need to have uh some sort of transition there and a two-part movie i think would work better yeah it becomes very new vegas fallouty yeah. but i also think i mean game of thrones is going to be gone Ooh, need something you need now. something leftovers is gone you need something 
Jeremy, Mike, thumbs up, thumbs down TV show. Yeah, I'm with it. I haven't seen it. But would you prefer it as a TV show or a movie? Um, TV show. TV I'm, show. I'm all TV these it's days. It's all Netflix. It's all HBO. That's all yeah. we're going to be It'd pitching. It'd be a great right? Ben show, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's how yeah. I did it when the first time I watched yeah. the Isn't series. Isn't TV better than movies now anyway, right? <laughs> it, I think it's a better format for yeah. like character development because right. you stick with them for longer. And See, I think it's can... easier for character development. Really? Yeah. You have more time? Because you have more time. You, but, know, oh, yeah. you, you give uh, a team... 10 hours to get you invested versus, you know, a but half hour. you can hour. take that places you can't take Absolutely. with movies. I definitely think there's benefits to both, but I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say one's better than the other. But that's the thing is, like, a lot of the Stephen King movies, the good adaptations build your character in a 90-minute film, and they have character growth. That's what's good about it. So you can do it in movies, but lately movies don't care about that. Yeah. So TV is, yeah, it's easier because you have more time with it. Movies are just lazy and they don't try anyway. Or you've got Shawshank, again, a novella, three hours long. You know, that's a great translation of that part. That's like the inverse of that, yeah, that exactly. example. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, so obviously if you're into character stories, character is king and you want to flesh out characters in the modern, you know, kind of pipeline of content delivery, it's got to be a TV show. I mean, it's I guess it TV. did it. You know, you feel for all those kids that came out last year. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe they have down the middle split. Either way, I think it deserves yeah, better treatment. All right. How about The Shining? Have we all seen The Shining? Kubrick's masterpiece. Well, I've I saw seen... Ready Player One, so that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Has everybody seen that scene in Ready Player One? Yeah, I, mean, I, I saw Ready Player One legitimately. Yeah. But... Jeremy, did, did you catch that yeah, as well? Yeah. Joe? Yes. What did you guys um, think about that? We talked about that on our very first episode, yeah. which everyone should go back and listen to now that we're the number one trending <laughs> podcast. Yes, readers. That's uh, that's like the hardest thing to get them to keep the PG-13 was that scene. Oh, because the a hallway new, of blood. Yeah, monster lady. Did you guys yeah. like that, Joe? You've read the book. Is that in the book? That is not in the book, okay. exactly. Um, what they were playing in, in the book, it's, it's uh, I believe, war games instead of that. Oh. Um, <laughs> They didn't want to pay Matthew Broderick. (laughs) Which would have been cool. I mean, my brother and I talk all the time about, like, if that style of video game existed, I'd I'd play Indiana Jones every day. (laughs) Where you just, like, literally play the character through. Because in the film, in the context, is it's the creator's movies are archived into the theater, and you can just go and experience it. Yeah, it's a little different. I thought that was a little unnecessary, that whole sequence. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting away from uh, it definitely was. the yeah. king here, but yeah. Yeah, but, but, but that's Steven Spielberg just homaging to him, saying, I never made anything with his works. Why didn't I well, he did. He made uh, AI. Oh. Ooh. Right? <laughs> no, that's not Stephen King. That's Kubrick. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. That just shows Kubrick his, and, his uh, continued insanity for Stanley Kubrick. Right. The wires are getting crossed. But yeah. definitely, yeah, The Shining, like American classic horror film, Stanley Kubrick's like only horror film, right? And it's yeah, arguably right. I, yeah, and I mean, he made a bunch of weird stuff. I guess so. I mean, Jack Nicholson's iconic performance. Um, Here's Jenny. Olive oil from the Popeye film is in it. Shelly <laughs> Long. Shelly Long notoriously hated being on yeah. that set. But her performance, obviously, it comes out. Yeah, she was. Uh, I mean, tortured by Stanley Kubrick on that. Side. Yeah, there's and footage that, of it too. Yeah, and it is. Hard and it's to watch. you know, like, uh, have you guys watched uh, Room Two Thirty Seven? I think is what it's called. The the documentary about all the spooky I have not. stuff and all connections. the connections. Yeah, mm, right. Pretty interesting. A little, a little the number twenty three for yeah. my taste. But <laughs> well, the only upcoming stuff for this is the sequel getting made, Doctor Sleep. Uh, we are seeing some cast coming up, so fingers crossed. I mean, I think it could be cool. It's a weird plotted book. Have you guys seen the miniseries that they did in the mid 2000s? Yes, I did not. With the guy the from Shining. Wings? Yeah. Was that on sci fi? 
Uh, Sci-Fi might have rerun it a bunch I because it was NBC, on. Though. It was okay. on NBC and they're owned by the same company. I think I saw that first, and I think that oh, that before the movie. An, yeah, wow. I think that that had an impact on me. Yeah, it's it's got some pretty cool effects. It's kind of like Evil Deady in some yeah. of the other sci-fi effects. TV effects, unfortunately. TV effects and TV cast, unfortunately. So yeah. when you go from you know Jack, Jack Nicholson <laughs> to yeah. Who the hey. Fuck Are You, yeah. it plays. Yeah, and maybe that's why some of the other. TV adaptations like who who's remembering Ruby Rose? I know I'm certainly not, but Ruby Rose or Rose Red, your, Rose Red, your favorite actress from the John <laughs> Wick film, Batwoman, John Wick. <laughs> but um, do you guys oh. remember speaking of the, like the TV series and stuff? Um, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Yep, 2006, based on one of his collected short stories. Yeah, as well. I, I like that a lot. That was a, a anthology series before anthology series. Well, speaking about weird ones and anthology series, let's let's. Go to some of like the stuff that's maybe not critically the best, but it's shit that I love. Like Maximum Overdrive, Creep Show. Like great. Creep Show, it looks like a comic book. It's George Romero directing. That's pretty awesome, you know. George Romero and adapting uh, a Stephen comic King. Book. I mean, come on, yeah, two of the, the Godfathers of American horror. And at the you know I, George Romero had a tough time kind of post the Walking Dead series or not the Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead series, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and then he did the Creep Show stuff. Unfortunately, his later stuff, Diary of the Dead, kind of didn't work Terrible. for me. Land of the yeah. Dead didn't really do it. Mike, have you ever watched uh, Monkey Shines? No. That is a, a George Romero movie you should check out. If, okay. Uh, you no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's just so bad. It's about uh, a paraplegic man whose uh, pet monkey or helper monkey is trying to kill him. Really? Is, is there anything similar to Monkey Bone with Brendan Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a great Malcolm in the Middle episode, though. Um, <laughs> uh, how about this? Uh, um, you know, just, just <laughs> thinking about him in general. Uh, and and these weird dumb films that he makes as well, uh, translating perfectly from his dumb stuff. I mean, Creep Show, Creep Show Two. Then they get so burnt out, they kind of have a bad time. Then they do Tales from the Dark Side. You know, so right? Tales from, the dark, Tales from the dark Side. Yeah. Is dope. So it's like you cannot stop him. He's almost a cockroach, right? Uh, I mean, I'm almost kind of surprised that they've never done the Running Man remake again. They, I mean, they did RoboCop. Yeah, like you're doing every nineties yeah, where is action it? movie. Total Recall. Yeah. Total Recall and just do it. Yeah, you like to make things dark and gritty, right? Yeah. Source I mean, I think they, it's coming. It's, it's, coming. it's hard it's to coming. make the Running Man remake when Hunger Games just happened because you're either going to be, you're just going to be called a Hunger Games ripoff. They yeah. really want to do it. They should have done it like, you know, Before five then. or six years ago when True. that was real hot. But, you know, Battle Royale games, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the future. And then you could release a tie in Battle Royale game called Running Man on iOS everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'd play the shit out of it. Only if I can dab in it, though. Well, I need Arnold to reprise his voice acting, get him off of uh, World of War. <laughs> yeah, hit the dab. Uh, that's got to be a paycheck. Yeah, anyway. All right, last Good thing. Running Man. <laughs> last thing we'll talk about with Stephen King and films. There's a ton of upcoming works. Be on the lookout. Watch the Pet Cemetery trailer. Um, but the last thing for anyone who's an inspired filmmaker, if you are in college, if you're going to school as a film student, he does a program called the dollar baby theory. He will sell you the rights to his shorts for a dollar. You can't make them commercial. You can't make them large, but you can make short adaptations at your school and show them to your friends or put them online. I mean, get some credit there. Uh, and I always thought that was really cool. You know, artists like Moby, they do that as well, where they sell young film students their their music for a dollar. Um, you, you just got to give it up. He's a, he was a former teacher, a guy who just loves giving up to the young generation. 
No, that's that's awesome. I didn't know he did that. Yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. Had I known that in film school, I probably would have learned a lot more about Stephen King because I would have been diving <laughs> into those. And you know, as much as he loves the young culture, and again, as well as he writes young people, we talked about him shaking his cane at cell phones. You know, he hates video games. So let's go ahead and talk about the few adaptations of Stephen King in the video game world. All right, so get ready to download some screams because we're talking Stephen King video games. Yeah, you said uh, Stephen King probably hates video games, but video games love Stephen King. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about some of this stuff. You say that, but his actual works is pretty limited here, so let me read the two. I mean, this is it. Lawnmower Man had a Super Nintendo game. Do you guys remember? Not at all. I, I cannot believe that that exists. Can you see the cover, though? Do you remember the weird digital Jeff Fahey face and sort of the weird body that he created? That's the cover of the Super Nintendo, and then it literally just says Super Nintendo right next to it. Okay, that's the cover of the, the Netflix cover, because that was one of those movies that was on Netflix forever. Yeah. It's like you couldn't get the right standing better Stephen King movies. And it is... A top-down kind of vector man, even though that was a side-scroller shooter, just kind of weird kill stuff. I Almost mean, it's like the bad. Jurassic Park game yeah. we played. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but much worse uh, graphically. It's miserable. You know, it tries to cash in on the fact that the world inside the film is video game esque. It's bad, guys. Yeah, it's like the Matrix. Like yeah. he just jumps into the video game internet world. Well, can you imagine like if Tron. there was a yeah, yeah like oh, Tron? Well, can you imagine if there was a the Tron or Matrix video game on the Super Nintendo? Yeah, the Matrix is a Tron ripoff. I never thought about that. That's a yeah. good point. <laughs> but yeah, blowing our minds. It's almost a reverse Tron, right? <laughs> oh God, <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> I'm throwing up. That's gonna be another <laughs> cast. <laughs> and then there's another one, and this is uh, called Stephen King's F13. And when I say it's it is an adaptation of his work. It's based on a collection of short stories of his, Everything's Eventual. It's basically got four chapters of a puzzle game inside of it. It's kind of that old school where you're flipping cards and just kind of revealing a background of images that come together, and then it just gives you a spooky wallpaper. Yeah, from what I understood researching this, too, is there was also like three mini games. There's like a, a pinball, a, and a, there's like a fish feeding one mm. where you drop like rhinoceros and a piranha thing. It's just these weird morbid mini games that aren't really games but then the end also they're delivering you the everything's eventual ebook yeah so it's like shit flash games attached to an ebook from what i understand yeah and the picture on the cover of the cd-rom it is a computer game uh is is pulling out a file that has all these stephen king labels in here that's kind of an homage to a stephen king uh writing practice called a trunk novel when he eventually got an agent he wouldn't be able to write all the time. He would just say, well, here's something I pulled out of my trunk, a script or a, a manuscript from three years ago about this maniac thing. Uh, and I think that's kind of the game's premise. It's four mini games thrown together. I mean, that's a yeah. trunk game. True. It's yeah. definitely back to the trunk. Hey, you like Stephen King? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of it. But other than that, we have homages all over the world. I mean, you can talk about a million different games being inspired by the world of it. So, uh, uh, I mean, any favorites there? Yeah, I mean, we talked about in the Resident Evil episode how Resident Evil really started the survival horror game. Yep. I would say that 
all thriller video games are at least loosely based on the thought process of Stephen King characters. Like, uh, you know, Alan Wake, something like right. that. Silent Hill. Mike, I know you're a big fan of that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of tie-ins with that. Basically, The Mist, you know, like, even in The Mist, the first thing that attacks them is this flying creature in a, di- in a grocery store diner, you know. And then Silent Hill, the first thing that attacks you walking through the fog is a flying fucking creature and yeah, says like red rum on a garage. There's like a ton of references to Stephen King, like explicit references. So I said he doesn't like games, but games like him, that's because people making games are pulling <laughs> so much reference because they grew up with it. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, like we said in the movies, if you're a fan of Stephen King and Steven Spielberg, that's going to inspire your work. Same thing here. Yeah, you want to make spooky stuff. You pro- if you like spooky stuff, you probably are a Stephen King fan, you know, and that's going to show in the work you do. Can I talk about the Alan Wake series for a little minute? I'd love to, man. I love Alan Wake. So this is an Xbox original video game. It involves a pulp author going on a spooky mystery. Stephen King set What's up. that sound like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I will say is now available on the Steam store as yeah. well. It's not yeah. oh, just very the cool. Xbox exclusive. And it does have DLC. People have been clamoring for a sequel for a very long time. I would love that. The world lends itself to that. The DLC American Nightmare is kind of a pseudo sequel. It takes place in a new chapter. You're uh, at a movie theater projectionist trying to figure out and fight crazy zombies. Um, I... I wish they would do something with this. So this is Quantic, I believe, the people who did Max Payne, if you remember them as well. Remedy, I think. Remedy, actually. I yeah, apologize. Yeah. Um, and it's it's they did character-driven, gritty stories with very complex narratives that had innovative g- gameplay. You know, Max Payne, when I think about the slow-mo, that's kind of the first time I ever saw bullet time. Yeah, the bullet time mechanics. I mean, in a yeah. game, I think that was the first time For I sure. saw it. Yeah, yeah like the game. comic book cutscenes and stuff that were like cool, a throwback, yeah. and it was all like people from the office and stuff because they had no money to fund oh, that yeah. thing. The yeah. lead developer is the yeah. face of Max Payne, and he's doing the very weird like push together. Yeah. Robert De Niro face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> you said they just announced a new one? <laughs> they just announced a new game. No uh, way. They showed some gameplay. Uh, I, I don't know the, the full extent of it. There's You play like a security guard or somebody who works at... Well, you like, play Max Payne. Well, no, you work at, oh. the, uh, you work at a, like an FBI facility that is like somehow attached to study the paranormal and like the world around you basically starts to disintegrate. They've got all these oh. like really crazy effects. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever played PsyOps with all the no. telekinetic powers. I did powers. not, no. Uh, but basically she's got like telekinetic powers that are like influencing the environment it looks insane but it's it also like they're it, putting the two big franchises together it looks very much like quantum break or like them oh, developing on that, that was idea. them as well that's yeah. right that's pretty awesome actually um i look i, I just wish they would do something with alan wake then you know if people have been clamoring for it potentially they will maybe the microsoft hindrance there i don't know maybe if they just went free form on the computer just give it right to steam i mean i think it's the kind of thing on the computer at least like it's on my wish list right now and it goes on sale a decent amount i think it's kind of still discovering an audience okay. even way after the fact because i've not played wow, it. we might be five years out then uh, you're saying i would assume it's gonna take some time especially if like what jeremy is mm. talking about they have a new property yeah. they're gonna be pushing anyway. i actually just started going down my steam list and trying to play every game i own in alphabetical order oh my and, god uh, oh my god yeah it's never gonna happen uh but alan wake is obviously at the top of that list and like revisiting that game like 
It's so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, so would you guys recommend it? Because I have it on my wish list just because I, I like the general concept. Hold on. Can yeah. I pitch a podcast called Jeremy's uh, Steam Stream where he just <laughs> yeah. goes down alphabetically and about talks about each it. game? Yeah. Why not? That yeah. sounds that really a, cool. Patreon content? Yeah, please. It is a long list and a scary long list. Well, it's like you could try to play through the Steam list or try to read every Stephen King book. You can have a race and you know, I'll, I'll start it. I'll start at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the books and we'll yeah. neither While get he's through. doing that, I'll be doing the yeah. Steven Stream next to him going, it was a dark and spooky <laughs> Nice. Yeah, neither, yeah, neither one up, will finish. <laughs> Death or finish the list. Let's see. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't played it yet either. Um, I, I hear it's awesome. It. It's I would like to get a new spooky game. So Alan Wake, I'm put it on my list. Yeah, we talked a couple weeks ago on one of the episodes. I just built a gaming PC. Oh, right on. So I was going through adding stuff to my Ooh, Steam. This is list. the one for you, dude. Uh, yeah, so it's I a couple years old, but it still looks good. Yeah, like it looks great. The screen grabs looked incredible. I yeah. mean, it looked better than like I'm Fallout New Vegas is one of the first Fallout games I got on mm-hmm. there. I was like, oh, Alan Wake looks even better than that. And again, I mentioned Remedy does great gameplay stuff. The bullet time for Max Payne. It's the flashlight mechanics in Alan Wake that really mm-hmm. became what it was known for. It's very cool how it plays with light and shadow. Can you walk me through kind of how that um, actualizes itself in gameplay? Oh, sure. So. so I'll just give you a brief rundown of the story, too. He's a writer who, with his girlfriend, is going to a retreat. The Johnny, Shining. Yeah, Johnny, you can't finish your book. We need to go to a place where you can finish your book. And God damn it, if it's not a bottle for all evil. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. So he ends up at the cabin. His girlfriend disappears. And it's him going through the town. I mean, it's so cool. You move through the forest. You go on boats. You know, you walk around the town. It's, it's such a lived-in world where shadow zombies are coming at you. The only way to stop them is to light them up with your flashlight enough to where they phys- physically appear and then shoot the shit out of them. Whoa. <laughs> so it's like a yeah. Mario yeah. logic with the ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's like it, a, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, quite literally, it is like you are shining a light on your demons, essentially. Yeah. Like, which Oh, and as people just brilliant. say, like, yeah, the voice acting to it is like, you're a piece of shit as they're, like, trying to beat you up. Like, it's so manifested of your demons. That's awesome, because, like, I, I spoke before about how I like Fatal Frame, because mm-hmm. you have to win by staring the ghost down. You have to look at it and take uh-huh. a photo of it. Like, look yeah. your fear in the face. It's similar to that. Look your demons in the face and literally shine a light on it. That's That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, sounds like a good one to shut all the lights off and, and play real close to the Ooh. screen. Yeah, yeah. Turn the sound up. So again, the connection there. He's a failed writer. He's, let me tell you, this character too, when he's when his girlfriend's disappearing, it's because he's looking in trash cans for his pills that she has thrown out. Like, he is addicted. Wow. Uh, he's having writer's block, and he's in a spooky main town in the woods. It, I was going <laughs> to ask if it was in New yes, England. It sounds Absolutely like New a, England. Because uh, Silent King. Hill is in New England, too. Beyond that, it has live-action cutscenes. So you can also watch cool YouTube videos of it, too, where they got actors who portray these characters to voice them, and they look great. I mean, where's that TV series, HBO? That's I didn't know they had live-action cutscenes. Mm-hmm. They've been trying to do that for a couple of years because even Quantum Break will just break for a full episode of TV in the middle of, in the <laughs> oh, middle of the game. Right, right, it's right. a 30 minute episode. Yeah. yeah, That's crazy. Like, Yeah, and it's very Twilight Zone inspired too. Like a lot of the times he'll end up looking at an old, you know, CTV monitor that has like crackling black CRT, and yeah. white. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. He has like a, like a representation of himself too that is like constantly like yeah. hunting him. Mr. Scratch. Yeah. That's that's so Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Like, Which is so Stephen King. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Both New England. Man, Alan Wake, that's going to be on the Halloween list. I got to play that this yeah, month. Yeah, please do, guys. And so, as we mentioned, uh, Silent Hill, how about Half-Life? Half-Life, another yeah. big one, yeah. yeah. 
people waiting on that uh, the weird continuation Cthulhu monsters well that'll never happen right can we yeah. get predictions there? come on Gabe <laughs> oh, they said that they're looking at making games again someday Oh. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know that, that they said they just that make boxes. Valve they created. Just the they're making too much right? money yeah. on Steam. They don't need. Yeah, to make like games they don't need to do any. I mean, they neither does. They pivoted their business formula. Stephen King doesn't need to write books, but he does because he loves them. Maybe if Valve cared about making games, they'd make them. Yeah, come on, yeah. game. Well, they're yeah. making a card game, right? So. Yeah, yeah. But if Netflix was one TV show before it was a distribution service, you wouldn't be like, True. "But make that TV show again." <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, "No, we do a different thing now, and we make great money." Yeah, they're still privately owned. Yeah, that's wow, crazy. that is yeah. nuts. That is a lot of money. <laughs> that yeah. is a lot of money. Yeah. It's insane. But um, yeah, Half Life. I see in the notes here we have Pokemon references. Stephen King. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this in the uh, in your town in Pallet Town. Before you leave, you can of course always hit the television. It'll tell you what's on. Uh, Ash, or I guess your red character, quote unquote, as the original playable character, is watching four kids walking on the train tracks, having an adventure, looking for a body. Yeah, which the body. Stand by mm, me. Yeah, what's that sound like? Which, real quick, that's the greatest train scene in cinema. I'm convinced. Get off the track! <laughs> They're on the bridge. It's so perilous. Like that's a. You're, I would scene. say that's the first time since like the old black and white, you know, twenties nostalgia of like, oh, she's tied to the train tracks. Yeah, you really feel that way. Just no, physically no, no, no. trap them on the bridge. Like I don't know. I thought that was a great. You're scene. not thinking about the colored logs that Doc Brown's putting inside the time machine. Well, like, here's dun, my, dun, <laughs> dun. my problem with that is. Yeah. They're putting the logs in the train, but then the train is having black smoke, and yeah. that means it's running on coal. I don't want to hear oh. a wood fire would <laughs> be a, white smoke. What a take, Mike. And so it's it's fake, and the log would be a white smoke. Okay, Back to the Future 3 is fake news. Hold on. Richard Zemeckis is calling in. So the train they used in the movie for the shot was running on coal. Yeah. And my dad pointed that out. I'm like, what a weird thing to what mention. What a weird thing to mention. <laughs> but okay, anyway, they're getting off track. Uh, and there's other references. Uh, Secret World, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, uh, that that game actually opens up in like a little uh, seaside town. <gasps> they, uh, oh, and you get into the forest immediately. It's very Slender Man esque when you it's, recommended it. So, to what me. is this game? I've never heard of. This. So, this is an MMO that actually um, there's all these little zones that sort of reference. Like the first one is uh, it's like HP Lovecraft, like Clive Barker, Stephen King, basically everything you imagine in like a, a little seaside town. Uh, it all sort of happens at once, uh, and you are a paranormal. Like, you work, you actually work for like the Knights Templar or um, the Illuminati or something, and you go in and basically have to investigate what's happening. Hmm. So you that's crazy. Like going on like a ghost adventure. A little bit. You're you're basically trying to stop whatever evil is in this town that is possessing it and like bringing all of these things forth. Right. Yeah, I kind of see it as a Twin Peaks, how the FBI gets involved and kind of gets in more than they realize with the supernatural. So X-Files. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is. You're yeah, like, that you're is like, the best reference. You're like yeah, one of those guys. Yeah. Okay, now that, that's, that sounds pretty dope, actually. It, the writing is really good in it. But so. it's an MMO, so yeah, yeah. how does the story play out then? Uh, the, a lot of, there's a little bit of like PvP stuff, but you can really like experience the story on your own. Like You can play that game as a single player game so you're like investigating quest based investigations is it like dark souls is like the the world telling you the story or is it like npcs like uh, npcs mm, are because like npcs because you're getting clues yeah you'll have okay. like handlers when you get to a new zone that'll be like hey this thing is going on gotcha. go, go out and like talk to this person who like lives in this cabin up on the hill and then it sort of just builds they kind of release story points through those yeah and then it's also there's like this like thread between like the templars and the illuminati are actually at war with each other so like that's happening in the background Dark while Tower. they're trying to stop this yeah no, that's pretty rad. 
And with the name of this game again? That is Stan. Oh, I'm sorry. The Secret World. The Secret World. Yeah, I'm a sucker for it. It came out a while ago. They just re-released it. I want to like say 2010, version. maybe. So yeah. it's a. I think it's free to play now. Uh, oh damn! If you're interested, uh, yeah. Check I I don't like the gameplay in that game, but I stuck around for the story. So I'm just a sucker for those. Even settings. if you don't like the gameplay, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like very rudimentary MMO gameplay stuff. You point and click and mm. kill, but. But the story is what, yeah, that's what gets its hooks. And the you. people that are really into that game really stuck around for the story. I mean, yeah, and that's like why we're talking Stephen King too. It's like story. So if the story's strong, yeah, it's it's a point and click. But if the story's engaging, you'll keep look at a Telltale game. Well, what's the MMO where they're still doing the spaceship battles? Oh, I don't even know. Star oh. Trek Online. <laughs> Go yeah. back and listen. There's, to Star yeah, Trek there's one episode. of them out there where it's like it doesn't matter that the graphics are eight years old. Oh yeah, I mean, look at World of Warcraft. Starcraft? Is that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't anything. think so. No, it's one where there's like intergalactic, you know, whatever. As long as you have a dedicated community behind it, it'll run. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of, thank you guys <laughs> for listening. <laughs> the dedicated community. Yeah. yeah, there's not too much uh, Stephen King video game news coming up. Unfortunately, what I wish we you, could post you guys. What would you want? I mean, like, you could pick Alan any Wake one of the too, properties. Baby. So you would want Alan Wake yeah. 2. You wouldn't necessarily want to see anything adapted. I, buddy, I, the way that he moves... <laughs> oh, I apologize. <laughs> the way that it moves through the universe of how he almost gets wrapped up in the plot of his own books, make Alan Wake start going through Cujo. Make out, you know, he could move through all books. Stephen King could become a character in that world the way that Stephen King is a character in the Dark Tower books. Wow, so you have a really meta fantasy about Stephen King yeah. in video games. I'm, I'm wrapped forward. up in that, unfortunately. I was actually going down that same path, but even just as something original that had that idea of you have a base character, and then every couple months, here's a new story, here's a new spooky thing, like Supernatural, right, that you gotta go figure out. But almost Castle Rock the game, tying Castle Rock the game, you could together. explore the town, and all of a sudden you're up in the woods doing woods spooky stuff. All I mean, of a sudden you you're at the old house. Nightmares you know. and dreamscapes. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, that's it. You just have you these... Call it different seasons. DLCs? <laughs> yeah, right? Why not? Everything's eventual. We might get it. Ooh. I love all anyway. those titles. I love all those book <laughs> titles, guys. Jeremy, uh, ideas. What would you want to have a Stephen King video game, maybe? Uh, honestly, I, Alan Wake 2 I would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a really fascinating world, and I mean, we kind of referenced that it's quintessential yeah and if you don't want it to be a third person action adventure anymore make it like skyrim you know make it a pov character of alan wake about alan wake too i mean i haven't played it but it's that's my game man third person action adventure play is my preferred method of playing a video game because it looks Mm. like i'm walking through a movie and that's what i want out of an experience resident evil 4 we mentioned you know on previous spider-man ps4 Now, go back and listen to all of our great episodes, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wrapping it up for Stephen King. I guess let's wrap on to the last segment here to wrap up. Let's, let's wrap it up. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, we did a lot of a lot of talking today about the king himself um, and got a lot of spooks and scares out. Talked about our own personal demons. <laughs> uh, but final thoughts here on Stephen King. I'll throw it to Jeremy first. You know, what do you think about the man? Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see a lot of the remakes that are inevitably going to happen because, like, we talked about it. It was great. Pet Cemetery looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I don't have as much history with his existing the work as it is, uh, his adaptations and his books and stuff. But I've been, I've really enjoyed it. Looking forward to see what he does. Excellent, excellent. Uh, if I can just jump on then, um, Stephen King. Like I said, I got a shout out. My first experience was watching Stand by Me. My dad thought it was a kids' movie. Not maybe thought that, but he showed it it's to not. me anyway. Classic stuff, you know. The Bar for Rama, smoking cigs. There's leeches. And weird stuff. But. I think uh, Stand By Me is the sandlot for cool people. Ooh, that's a really cool take. That's that's a good way to look at it. And you know, Rob Reiner, you know, one of my other favorite films is Princess Bride, so I'm all in on that. Um, but Stephen King, as far as spooky stuff, it remake was great. I would love to see Cujo. I don't know why I have this spot in my heart for Cujo. Um, also, what's fun about Stephen King is it's what if X was spooky? What if spooky car? Christine. What if spooky dog? Cujo. What if spooky building? The Shining, right? Like, but you build it out with characters. That's what's amazing. So what if anything's spooky? You know, freaking Cat's Eye. What if Cat was spooky? But no, it's Goblin. Anyway. <laughs> cat's Eye has so many good shorts in it. Uh, I love Cat's Eye. That, I love the anthologies, you know. And so that's it. Stephen King, there's so much there. I want to read the books. I want to start with the comic books. Um, and that's it. You know, Stephen King, check it out. I'm sure you I have already checked it out without even knowing. Joe, how about you? Final thoughts on Stephen King? Yeah, I'm, Mike, what you just said, I'm, I'm sure you've checked it out without even knowing. Like, he's influenced pop culture so heavily. Um, also, just a great inspiration. Like, if you want to write in any capacity, look to Stephen King because he treats it like a job when he doesn't need to. And um, his work ethic is to be admired. His creativity is to be admired, but also just his dedication to the craft. Uh, you know, it is a technical skill, and he has mastered it. Um I'm excited for a lot of the stuff coming up. It Chapter 2, Pet Cemetery, those are going to be great. Yep. Definitely going to check out Alan Wake after that video game segment there. Um, yeah, I, it's all positive to me. Like, he's definitely, it is is the month of Stephen King to me. Like, you could uh, just watch Stephen King stuff every day and still have something to watch for Halloween. We could have done four Stephen King episodes. Oh, yeah, baby, I mean, just easy. like, you know, the, the Batman, X-Men, Captain America, and Spider-Man episodes, all great episodes you should go back and listen to. <laughs> uh, we could talk about Stephen King forever because yeah. there is so much material to get through. Yeah, and if you want us to get more granular, let us know. But Colin, what are your, what are your final thoughts? Uh, is anybody here scared of clowns? Uh, I just dislike them. Yeah, no. Nobody. Uh, I'm scared of like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was that scared big, of that clown. Like all the internet clowns started doing <laughs> a couple of years uh, ago. Yeah, like that. they were doing that yeah. uh, whole uh, thing. Words out of my mouth, Joe. I'm scared of it when Stephen King writes about it because mm. he captures the imagination. You know, uh, there have been times where I've put these books down and turned my light off and gone to bed and thought, I'm not going to keep writing that tonight or reading that tonight because enough it's too enough. scary. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, he, he, the flaws do not outweigh the pros. I see all the stuff, you know, the rooted in the past, the kind of childish mentality. He's obsessed with like farts and shit, which is something that like really makes my dad laugh. Like I always think about him laughing the hardest in that scene in Scary Movie 2 where the the priest is having diarrhea. I'm just like, right. why do you find this funny? <laughs> but it's just that generation, you know, it's, there's a low classness to it that really does make it accessible. And it, you know, it was considered very gritty and real for the time. Carrie was a phenomenon. What is this young guy writing about young girls having her period for? I mean, it shocked audiences. Yeah. 
and in the right way. It wasn't shocking just to be shocking. You know, I'm very proud of this man. I'm very proud of all the work that he's put together. I've got my little Stephen King figurine from The Simpsons appearance here. The first time uh, Jeremy saw it, he said, is that a uh, action figure of you? Oh, <laughs> I said, cool, thank you. Um, you know, I'll take any of that. I, I love the man. Uh, and I wish the best for him. And going forward, I think he's going to keep working and keep kicking it out. God bless him. Yeah, once once you make The Simpsons, you've definitely transcended into the <laughs> normie territory. Yeah, you're there. Uh, yeah, just one more note. You know, he's someone who also wasn't scared to examine himself through his work. No, you know, all of he his, puts it. A in lot there. of his work is him looking at his life, and like he's not afraid to be vulnerable and show that. And a lot of people will not look at or accept their own dark side. And Stephen King is the person who has no fear he's made he feeds on, on it. it exactly he he'll, knows it to tap into yeah, it. yeah he'll look right it right thing. in the face and he'll pull that into his inspiration and that that's awesome so yeah also right. yeah um dream catcher is just the worst version of the thing ever. <laughs> okay so <laughs> we didn't even talk about that but i guess just while it's here larence kasdan you know the guy who wrote star wars uh, what a turd man yeah <laughs> it's just you know if you All want right. a if you want a spooky movie in the snow watch the thing yeah yeah anyway so treat Does yourself. Does the thing have Jason Lee in it? No, that's... Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the answer is <laughs> no. no. And if you like Jason Lee, yeah. you will like He's that film. He's a dream catcher. I gotcha. <laughs> anyway. So treat yourself this October, Normies. Uh, Trick do or some treat Stephen yourself. King. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Very true. Uh, hit, hit up some Stephen King. You know, read his stuff, watch his movies. Um, thank you for being good little children of the corn and listening to this Another podcast. Didn't even touch. <laughs> children of the corn, right. I watched the ending of that because I hadn't seen it in years yesterday. It was yeah. just like, they're lighting the cornfield on fire and they're... Kids, what if they were spooky? What if spooky kids? <laughs> what if spooky Midwest kids, right? But that's a You common... guys remember that South Park episode? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, come <laughs> on. It's a classic. There's so many. It's not um, But keep listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Check us out on all our socials. Normies like us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, give us a shout out. Uh, Jeremy, any plugs? Uh... Yeah, so I work for a couple of esports teams, uh, MIBR, uh, LA Valiant, and Immortals. Uh, if you want to, if you're into esports, you should check out some of the YouTube channels for those. Lots of content there. Hell yeah, beautifully shot too. Very cool world. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. We hope you had a good time on this third Halloween month episode with Stephen King. Go ahead and like us on iTunes. Give us a review and rating. We appreciate it. We're out here doing this for you. Appreciate you coming along for the ride. Also, let us know what your favorite Stephen King content is via social media. This is Mike. This was Colin. Joe. Jeremy. All right, and thanks, Jeremy, for being here once again. This has thanks, been Stephen dude. King. Thanks for listening, guys. Hail to the Stephen King. Baby.